Here we go. I think the audio is on on their phone for the right. because I hear um, uh, I got it, I got it, I got it. Amateur hour. Yeah. Here. Amateur hour. Come on, Andre. Get with the game. All right. Thanks for joining us. FT After Hours in this crazy studio that they've built. First time in here. I was shocked. Usually get here a little early and pull all you this stuff out. I, I know. <laughs> I didn't have to look for cords and <laughs> microphone and where they hid the the board and everything Check so out this lighting it's i know like we got blinding. lights on us and i can't oh see oh my gosh it's crazy but here we are super bowl sunday because we don't i don't care about football i couldn't well, even this super bowl i'm not too enticed about if it was the browns in there or something something like that it'd be different but uh either team the i who? really don't follow the who exactly it, i hate to, <laughs> and i hate to say i don't they're eat, the com you know they're the comic relief for the the sport right now uh and i don't even know who's playing in it is that bad really no i don't uh, i have no it's clue the falcons and patriots i have no idea yeah if if it's not two wow, wheels or some like, kind of like really out yeah. of it. at least like i did some super bowl squares and stuff and participated so everybody out there forget the football if you want some <laughs> real sport go watch some motocross or supercross that's that's a real i real don't know sport. i still watch football <laughs> not not that all right place, well, thanks for joining us in the studio, Mike Coolins. Hello, he made it. He's under the weather. Big He's time, sick. And I, I will try not to cough too. But much. he made it. He's Vegas. here. I am really. I got medicine head. I got my cough drops here. <laughs> oh my gosh! All right, jo- joining us on the line on Skype, the crazy Canadian Andre Russo. Hey guys. And our first special guest, because we promised him we'd have him on well, one sometime. One of my bigger fans. Like, I've yeah. got to get my number one fan on here, no matter what it takes. All the way from <laughs> New York, our buddy, Paul Jennings. How are you, Paul? Hey, guys. I'm doing pretty good. How are you all? Good. Good. Now, we promised you we'd, we'd have you on sometime. <laughs> I made that promise. And uh, like, I you're finally here. Especially and before next flight festival. Right, thing. right. So, like, we got to get yeah, on Yeah, exactly. That, that was the uh, second <laughs> that was the goal. flight test that I was promised that. And uh, for all of you, I know we tweeted out that uh, Stuart is going to be on. Don't panic. Don't hesitate. We're going to have Stuart on a little bit later and dive into that. That was kind of a last-minute thing, but we wanted to keep Paul on, and we're going to have Stuart. So it's going to be a big show. And it Lots explains going why on. our hours are right yes. now. We're going to have a guest on at a diff- in a different time zone, right. so we had to do an evening. Right, which is really session. weird for me. It's hard. To, i got to get the energy yeah. up and get going. You're you know? a morning person. I know. I'm just now waking up. Right, I'm, right, I'm right, right. Good. All right. Hey, first thing I want to talk about, because it was a fantastic time. Before we jump in with Paul and get his thoughts on some things, last Sunday, you were like, hey, let's uh, let's get together and do a little flying. Of course, the weather was crappy and everything else. So you we were like, come on over, bring the Nano or the, um, the Inductrix, in, uh, the yeah, FPV Inductrix FPV over, Inductrix. and we'll crank around my house a little bit. Because I actually purchased one. Because Mike I, finally I, bought well, one. If I wasn't going to buy one unless Chris went there with me, for whatever reason, I needed someone to like hold my arm back or like, explain to the wife that you know I was enticed <laughs> to do this. Because, uh, Anyways, we went to Aerotech. I purchased one, and um, I don't regret it at all. And I got a five-pack of tattoo, uh, a little bit higher. Two, what are they, 210s, 220s, I think? 
220. Uh, 220s. 220s, man. Yeah. Nice batteries. They, they held up really nice well. Nice batteries, yeah, Andre. So I can't complain. I yeah. even put them in yeah. storage mode because I haven't flown for a while. You can get a, do that. Uh, was it a pack of five for like 20 bucks? Yeah, so it might have been 25. Okay, or so. 25. But nothing horrible. Right. Nothing breaking the bank there for sure. 220 milliamp. And man, they were, what, we actually got almost a minute. I think I got a minute more than yeah. three minutes. I uh, was at four minutes. Yeah, he now, was, it died at four yeah, minutes. Sure. But I got another but minute. But almost a full minute from the stock battery so Which it's awesome yes i don't know if it's because they're brand new and ah, i haven't punished them right or, right or what's the deal is but so got four minute flights out of those the crazy thing is is you know you got a pretty good size house so you got you know the whole full basement well, and then the- i gotta stop there because my wife's like we're having a guest well they were cleaning just the middle floor of the house uh-huh I'm like, Barb, we're flying FPV. All, all, <laughs> all three stories have got to be clean. We're going to be zipping around everywhere. He's going to see this whole house. <laughs> She's like, no! Is, is that why the sign was on the door for the basement? <laughs> Under, Under construction? construction? <laughs> <laughs> My son has all his Legos. She'd kill me, but he has Legos and Nerf stuff all over the house. And the, we, we just kind of threw it all in the basement. And that's our hiding stash there of his mess. So. Right. So you know, Andre, how it starts out. We're like, okay, we're going to make a little course. We're going to start flying around. So we go down the basement, make some loops, come up the stairs, fly around the, the mid-floor of the kitchen, the living room, and then go upstairs, go around into the bedrooms. Well, you know, as it goes, it gets a little better and a little better. So Mike Mike gets upstairs and he goes, well, let's go in the shower. Okay. Through and, the shower, and, yeah. the, and the door only had probably a six-inch spot, right? Yeah. So you go into the shower, and the shower's kind of tight, and then you got to try to maneuver out of that and out of the shower. And, of course, I crashed once. How many – you were in I there. I could not navigate. Now, after you left, I'm like, I will own this. So I, <laughs> I did it until I succeeded. And when I did it, the toilet seat was up, so I had a, oh, we, I had a danger for Right. we got to talk about that in a minute. <laughs> so we get through that, and then we're, we're down in the lower level, and we're going through the coffee table, around the back of the couch. And then under the and then we were table, going under under the coffee like table three inch yeah clearance on that three that inches plate. we're going under through like a plate oh, or, or the wood it, plate it got crazy so then we're setting up chairs and we're going through chairs and under tables so then <laughs> then Mike goes okay I got a, another good one we're gonna go back upstairs into the the spare what was it guest or guest bed bathroom guest bathroom and it's pretty tight and you go in there and you know sink toilet and then he pulls the curtain into the center. So he goes, okay, we're going to have to fly in through the shower and then back out the other side. I'm like, okay, no problem. So we get going. I had a couple issues. Mike was in there tooling around, gets back out. So I go, finally get going. I go to go through there. And as I'm going, Andre, you got you to gotta picture this <laughs> in your mind. Pretty small bathroom, and the toilet's right up kind of against the shower. So as I'm going, I'm trying to squeeze in over the toilet or in through the shower. Well, I kind of bump into the shower curtain. And you know, flying the the Inductrix FPV, you kind of bump into something. It kind of backs up a little bit. Well, (laughs) as I bump into the shower curtain, the thing backs up and and tilts down. The only thing I see is the toilet bowl because Mike (laughs) Mike forgot to shut the lid. And I thought for sure I'm backing up and I see water in the toilet bowl. And I'm like, I'm going in. I'm going in. Keep in mind. (laughs) Keep in mind, if there's a little bit of water anywhere, we will find it. Yes. It's like a magnet. Oh, my gosh. So I start laughing. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I see his bowl. Yeah. That's all I seen was bowling water, and I'm like, I'm going in. <laughs> and you, yeah, and you wouldn't think, you know, 
you don't think about it until you know if you're just if you make it or whatever. Yeah, you clear it, you don't right. even think. And I go, it's Mike, there. you got to shut that thing up. I, I'm petrified to go in through. And then I started getting nervous. Yeah. I'm like, oh god. Then you water, were thinking about true it. water hazard, like for golf, only worse because you lose right. your quad. <laughs> right. So then Mike's son has this giant Nerf gun thing on tracks. It's remote control. It's FPV. He has more expensive toys than I do. I'm like, oh my gosh, this thing's like triple what I bought the 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 inductor for, yeah. you know. And I mean so we got the idea, okay, we're gonna fly around, you're gonna chase me and shoot me. And it's Andre, it's literally full FPV tank with the Nerf gun on top. So Mike's chasing me around and we were it was fun. We were gonna shoot some video and then the battery died. Yes. Oh right when we wanted it right the when, most. Yes, too, right when we just started the battery just So we're gonna have to go back to that right. session and clean up the video yeah. for that. But man, that was that was a good time. It's always better when you get a couple people together or you get somebody it is else so to much fly. Because I, I, I did a little bit by myself, but it's so much yeah. fun when you when you compete, do different right. obstacles and try to challenge right. each other, push each other's and limits. I probably wouldn't do half the stuff we were doing if you weren't there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're like it's awesome. Like it I, really is awesome. I accidentally went under the coffee yeah, table. You told me and that. I go, I'm Mike, like, I just I went try. underneath the coffee now, when table. I did it, I know I scraped most right. of the roof ceiling there but still it, was, it cleared and right. did it so yeah so that it was, was fun that was a good time good you know for winter time you know and it was a different aspect because we did it at your house now we yep. did it at my house so that we should have brought them here and I, did them here you know <laughs> i know all right so that was our fun little flying experience for sunday because we haven't really done much flying the weather's been so crappy so we finally Correct. got together and we're going to do it again we for did sure some testing too yeah my dad's place oh yeah so but that was good yeah we'll have to talk Saw about the that capabilities a, a little bit later um so paul yes sir um a couple things i wanted to chat with you uh, i know you're a big uh flight test fan and we've known you probably since the first flight fest i think is the first time i met you um, yeah, but the last time or the last flight fest when you were there, uh, I think you, I'm trying to remember, Paul, you, you messaged me or emailed me or something. You're like, Hey, we're definitely coming down to flight fest again. Do you have a high start? And I'm like, yeah, I got a couple of them. And you're like, could you bring one? I'm like, yeah, sure. Never even thought I never about it. I saw one in my life till then. So I brought it and you got to check it out, and I kind of set you up a little bit and gave you a few little pointers. Not that I'm any kind of expert or anything. But you were showing them what tension yeah, to feel for kind of, stuff. Yeah, That's just the basics. And let you go. And that was the first time uh, you got to try a high start. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Was it what you thought? Was it better? Was it worse? Is it something you want to do again? What did you think of it? Um. I mean, what did I think of it? I thought it was an absolutely amazing experience. It was really neat. Um, it was a lot more challenging at first than I had expected, but then there's definitely a learning curve to it. Mm-hmm. And so, well, I mean, the story goes that the, the, the day I went home to uh, to New York, I hopped online and got myself a high start, and I've used it uh, quite a few times since then. Um, so I've, I've loved it um, for sure since then. Um, but some big differences... Um, versus my expectations and what what actually happened was, um, I mean, you really you're holding on to that that uh, pull line pretty tight. Right. It's it's tight. Um, and for I mean for the foam airplane that I was using, I was using the E Flight. Uh, who, who makes it? Is the Park Zone K eight? Yes. I know. At one point, Flight Test did a video, and I I got myself one, but um. Uh, that's what I was using. So I was like, is this foam even going to hold? Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's crazy, huh? Yeah, it's, it's really quite the experience. Um, 
but then the way that it goes is that I mean it's just all rudder really because mm-hmm. um, you can get into some pretty weird oscillations if you start adding a bunch of aileron into that so I mean it but once you get up there and you watch the thing fall and you can just you, you go basically I mean you know you're not scared of um, maybe you release from your tow plane and maybe you don't um, but it's just I don't know it was the flight after after you the initial launch is basically the same, but um, it's really neat. The launch, the yeah. Launch there's got to be an adrenaline rush as it's it's, oh, as it's sipping straight up like that. You know, that's yeah. oh it, it was, yeah. It was just. I mean, I I almost expected. Um, well, you thought some, maybe the foam would destroy, not hold up. <laughs> so that's I definitely mean, yeah, an adrenaline sure, rush like, if the plane's going to hold my, up to that. Yeah, for sure. I was, I was wondering if my wings were going to fold at first. <laughs> um, but um, it just, yeah, it climbed like a rocket at first, and I was not expecting that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I sort of expected more of a steady climb that you would see, um, I don't know, with a plane with a motor. Right. Uh, but, I mean, it just went straight. Straight. Up. That initial arc was just vertical almost do you mm-hmm. have to hold the elevator down or where was the elevator levels or do you just keep it just center center stick yeah it probably just lifts on its own i assume yeah, yeah it depends yeah, on the plane mm-hmm. um for sure yeah is there different kinds of pole lines with different tensions yeah they, stuff? Uh, you wouldn't have to be such a long line i was i'm just these are yes questions I've never th- they make did. different lengths and different size tubing because it depends on the size and weight of the airplane so the bigger heavier it okay. is you want a bigger thicker tubing and more length okay. to, to get it up um so i know this that his was extremely a long line i was surprised at the scale right. how the, far we we went right that what was line. that like 450 meters or something uh it was somewhere around there yeah right i know that's the length that the one that i got from e-flight was so i wasn't sure wow, was you gotta have a lot of ground for that yeah the bad thing <laughs> the, the bad thing was i felt bad later is i have two of them and for some reason one of them is is pretty old and it's got a lot of knots in it where the tubing is broke oh, yeah. And I brought the wrong one. It's the one that was already broke like four times. They had a bunch of knots in it. So I, I don't... I felt better about using that one. <laughs> um, my question is, Paul, like, for instance, me, you know, before David was around, I didn't know anything about DLGs. I didn't really know much about high starts. I mean, I knew of it, but I thought it was actually kind of stupid. I'm like, who wants to take take just a plane, you know, on a rubber band and, you know, chuck it in the air. That's more than a rubber band. Well, I, I know, but I, my I initial thinking, yeah. right? And I was like, ah, yeah, who, who, were- yeah, who wants to do that? And when uh, we bought the K-8s and we got the line and David showed us wh- how to do it and what to do, I mean, literally, we spent all day just up and down and up and down. And it's we had workout. so <laughs> much fun, like hunting for the thermals and seeing who could stay up the longest and absolutely it was unbelievable but if honestly if david wasn't around and showed me that i would have never probably done that never gave it a thought so it doesn't sound enticing no not at all kind of neat no it's it's different aspect big pull to try it yeah so So my question paul is what made you want to try it or what got your interest in that um my interest was um, well, actually, I noticed that the K8 had the ability for a high start, and so that was the the initial thing. Was I, I mean, when I I noticed that it had that uh, the little pin sticking out of the bottom, I was like, hey, mm-hmm. maybe that'd be fun to try. Um, but I wasn't really wanting to in, invest the fifty or sixty bucks in a high start at the time. Right. Um, you know, right away, if I had no idea, so I was like, well, maybe if I can uh, find someone at Flight Test or Flight Fest with a uh, a high start, I can try theirs. Um, 
bring my my K8 and try that, um, which is which is what I did. But yeah, there was no. Um, yeah, like you said, it's not like there was some poll that I saw a high start happen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'd never even seen someone do a high start other than um, a few videos. Right. That was the first time I ever saw one live, too. That was pretty cool. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Now, Paul, was that actually the first time, though, that you, obviously with the high start, but was that also the first time where you had non-powered flight? No, um, I had done with the um, with a... Beaver. It's the Flyzone Beaver that I had been using as a tow plane. Okay. Okay. Um, my friend, a friend of mine, owns his uh, his own private airport. Um, oh wow. Twenty eight hundred foot uh, asphalt runway. Mm-hmm. And so oh, we were wow. using that, and I mean that was a blast. He flew the Beaver and I flew the glider, mm-hmm. and then we switched. But um, that sounds like a good time. A, oh, it was fantastic. That's it was. Awesome. I mean, we would find days that there was no wind, oh. and um, he's. I mean, right around his airport are just fields and fields and we found a time that they were all plowed up and so the, the thermals were just there all the time oh wow cool it was absolutely amazing i mean I, I had one um i think it was like a 20 minute flight on on a k8 which i mean the k8 is no light airplane i mean it's it's not heavy by any means mm-hmm. but it's not like a um oh like a micro uh radiant or whatever oh i see as far as like uh, okay yeah 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 so were you worried well, that the beaver wasn't going to pull it initially is that what you're kind of saying i wasn't worried about that i was I, well i mean i just wasn't expecting to be able to find thermals with that oh okay Being a heavier was yeah. my initial thought. Yeah. i just felt like it was heavy for a glider mm-hmm. um we had done test runs or whatever just taxiing with uh the beaver and the ka and it was doing fine on like a quarter power mm-hmm. so i i was confident that it would it would be plenty powerful um, to, to pull the K8 up. Um, but it was the fact that I was able to thermal it all that surprised me. Now, did it make you nervous? Like here, here's always my, my big thing when I'm, I'm doing the non-powered gliders, we're doing the high start is, or even with the DLGs, sometimes if you get into a big one, obviously with the Radian, you can go out and you find the thermals, you can get up in it and let it go and do its thing. But you can always right. power that power, thing back yeah. home. Yeah, you can. You get the K8 and you get in a big thermal, and you you start kind of sweating and getting nervous, yeah, and you're like, "Okay, what should I pull out now? Would you know I got to get this thing back home? You're you know which way's right. the wind? Because right. obviously the the plane's gonna go with the thermal and go away mm-hmm. from you, and you got to try to make sure you no yeah. Uh, so did you have any close calls or thoughts. yeah yeah? Um, I mean, I didn't. I don't think I really had any of those. Um, I mean, there definitely was times where it was a lot lower than I would have liked it to have been. Um, coming in, um, back, getting over the runway at like 50 feet or whatever, but nothing that was crazy. But there was a couple times that it went out of sight. Um, and, but like my friend and I would both have eyes on it or whatever, and we'd get it home. Um, but then, the nice thing with the K8 is that it does have the spoilers. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you're just going to have insane lift that you can't get rid of, which was something that I was really, um, really glad of at a couple of points <laughs> because um, I don't know. I would just I would get into a situation where I'm like I'm high and I don't want to go any higher, mm-hmm. but the thermals were pretty strong, so I was able to throw those on and just um, bring it back down. Oh, that sounds right. Cool. Well, I guess it sounds like you got a really big area too, because I know a couple of times I've had the KA8 out and got into a, a thermal, but. Wasn't so much the the height that bothered me, but the, the distance, distance wise, like when the, oh for sure, you, yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm not sure that you know it's going to carry that all the way back. 
All right. Now, right, my, right. my other question is, and Andre can speak, maybe he'll agree with me a little bit, is, again, it sounds like you got a pretty big area when you were doing your towing. Now, yeah, for I me, guess. technically, I like the high start better than the towing. The towing is cool aspect, you know, because you, you're actually towing another airplane with an airplane. Right. I mean, it looks really yes. amazing. But personally, and Andre, I don't know if you agree, to me, it's way harder to, you know, get that coordination down with somebody. And, and if you don't have a really big area to get that thing up, follow each other and get up, you know, to a cool or a decent height to release and get a good experience. That's tough. Oh, for sure. That is, it's, that is definitely the hardest part of that um, is, is the towing because the coordination you have to have with the other person it, it's got to be like 100% focus the whole time mm-hmm. and 100% communication with the other person. Yes. Yep. No, I agree. <laughs> we, we had a great time doing it. I wanted to try the high start as well in July, and I had the uh, I had the the Cherokee with me, but it just uh, I never made it to uh, to to that uh, session with you guys. So right. It's too oh bad. yeah. yeah that's, that's a bummer. I, I've uh, I've seen the Cherokee um, in pictures and videos. Yeah, we also learned uh, towing-wise, I don't know, I might have told this story before. When we initially started towing, we were using Wayne's KA-8, and I was using the um, the Carbon Z Cub, which... Okay. <laughs> <What>? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, has way, wow. way too much power, really, for that thing. It's like dragging a and gnat that, behind it. And yeah. that's exactly what would happen is that I try to go easy and we get him off the ground. Yeah, you and could then have, You could have lifted him inverted, you know, anything you wanted. And poor Wayne, he's sweating bullets already. And you just see this K-8 behind the, the carbon zinc cup and it just looks like a ragdoll and it's going all over. I'm screaming and yelling, release, release, release. That's my Yes. That's about basically what it did. Oh, gosh, that's hilarious. And I, I did notice when we towed, with, when Andre was down here and we used the Tundra, it was way smoother and, and you know, it took a lot less effort. Yeah, that, more coordination. That Carbon Z Cub didn't oh. care what was behind oh, yeah. it. You know, I'm trying to slow it down. You could probably down. drag a puppy oh, behind it. Oh, you could. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that was, uh, so that was really interesting, us trying to, what we should have done is hook two of them behind it and towed two of them. Maybe that would have worked better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What could have gone wrong? So, Andre, we have to think about that when you're down here in May. You know, we'll, we'll it'd be like a night yeah. harness. You know, you'd have a plane plane behind yeah. the carbon. We'll, we'll hook two bad boys up behind that carbon Z Cub and see what funny. happens. Two release systems. Crazy. Yeah. So, uh, Paul, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I actually I do want to. I think uh, maybe we should try and set up ourselves with a high start session because you know we did we last year we were successful. I think we did four toes in the end. We were like, okay, that was enough. But uh, I'd love to try the Arito eventually with the uh, with that Cherokee and that. And it's funny, it sits there and it's weight. I don't even want to put the uh, the EDF motor back onto it because I'm like, we had so much fun as a glider mm-hmm. uh, setup as a tow glider. And yeah, you you know you're you're um, you know you're you're basically at the mercy of your pl- flight plan, and you, you do uh, you do try and pl- plan you know your your entrance and your exit and everything, right? Right, right. Yeah, it's tough. So with the high star, Paul, have you, is it something you're looking into to continue? Or are you going to go bigger and better? Or are you happy with what you got? Or what's what's the plan with that in the future? I mean, at this point, I would say that I'm pretty happy with where I am. Although it'd be fun to try, um, you know, bigger sailplanes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, just just see what what else is out there. How about a winch start? 
No. What's that? How about a winch start? I haven't even thought about it. <laughs> you know, if you got a guy that's got his own private uh, airport, it probably would be pretty easy to rig up your own, you know, high start. That's or, I mean, I mean uh, winch uh, line. I'm not even familiar yeah, with that, how that it's works. Powered. Uh, 2,800 feet of runway there. So, um, you know. There's <laughs> <laughs> We're all like drooling yeah, I know. when he says that. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I suppose there's a possibility that we get a 2,800 foot winch start. <laughs> yeah, that would be the ticket. Then you wouldn't be wore out at the end of the day. <laughs> I know it. No, 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 no muscle needed. That's right. And yeah. You get like I'm sure you'd easily get 2,000 feet of uh, of altitude with that. <laughs> wow! No, not, that wouldn't be I'm illegal. The uh, the K <laughs> would be like, oh, what 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 wings? <laughs> Turned into a rocket <laughs> on takeoff. Nitro. Someone just suggested a nitro RC truck. <laughs> oh. There you go. Yeah. Um, you know, even with that, the. Even with a heavy-duty high start, when that K-8 takes off, them wings are just – they look like they're going to fold up, man. They're just – Oh, wow. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Now, I'm not familiar not to get too far – I mean, we discussed the high start, but I'm just wondering, what what do you have as far as your plane arsenal? And what's maybe your favorite one? This is for Paul. Yeah. I'm just wondering what um, you have in your plane assortment, RC plane assortment. What do you have as a – I mean, I have quite a few. Um, well, the ones that I use a lot of, um, I have a Radian. Um, I got one this year after, uh, no, right before Flight Fest. I okay. have a, a K8, as, as we've talked about, the Beaver, the Flyzone Beaver. I have a Super Cub LP that I upgraded to a, uh, to a brushless motor. Mm-hmm. I have, um, oh, I got the Apprentice this fall. Um, which I've been having a blast with, uh, teaching my dad how to, to fly on that, actually. That's a good one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, even I love love flying with that. Um, we we trim the grass real low like a golf course and then mm-hmm. use that uh, right in our backyard. Oh, nice. Because we have about 60 acres of fields um, oh. where I live. Wow. So That's awesome. I'm we, jealous. Uh, we have some... <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, um, it's definitely a ideal place to fly. Now, with his pilot's license, he could pick us up. We could go there. Fly. Yeah, when are you gonna come down and pick us up? We'll load the we'll load the real plane with RC planes and come back. We'll fly for the afternoon, and I could even help you probably navigate. I'm, I'm waiting. I'll, I'll I'll run the radios and the VOR, and you fly. How's that? Deal. All right. Oh man. So. These are just suggestions. I'm, not, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Hey, what's uh? I'll I'll ask Mr. Fury if I can fly into his uh his field sometime. Okay, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, I've actually I talked to him about it this this year, mm-hmm. um, and he said that it's pro- it probably wouldn't be a problem depending on how the how the actual ground is. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, right. It's soft. Right, that'd be cool. Yeah, right. I mean that'd be it'd be awesome. Sure. Okay, next subject. So how many planes do you have total? Oh, I, I know you were going down through your list. We're just a rough guesstimate. How many do you, uh-huh. have you flown or currently have in your uh, arsenal there for flying? Well, I mean, I have a lot of foam board planes from flight tests sure. that are out of commission at the moment but could be back uh, flying pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So total airframes, I'm, I'm sure I've got 20 or 25. Okay. The ones that fly right now are probably about five, honestly. Okay. <laughs> That's understandable. So, I mean, I think we're all in that <laughs> realm a little bit. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You got you got the uh, 
the airframes and whatnot to do sure. it. But at this point, the uh, there's a lack of motors in the ESCs. Sure, sure. All right. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk to you, Paul, is obviously we know you, and but for the people that don't know you out there, um, you're rat. I guess you're. I'm going to call you a young kid. Um, I don't know your exact age, but you're younger than us. Yeah, way younger oh, than wow. us. Wow! So but recently, yeah. that young. Recently, you went and was working on your pilot's license, and finally got your private pilot's correct license. Correct? Yeah, yeah. Uh, November of 2016, I got that. Right. Which that's unbelievable. It's that's yeah, awesome. that's phenomenal. And what's crazy? What's crazy? Funny was Paul's actually the same age as I was when I got my private pilot. Oh, like, really? Yeah, I was seventeen. That's awesome. Um, but now you're working on your instrument rating, right? That's correct. Okay, yeah. so my curiosity when I talk to people who are just learning in the fly or whatever, what airplanes are you? Have you been flying or have flown or currently flying? Um. So you're just wondering airplanes that I uh, real airplanes, real scale, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, um, or does that include ones that I've just um, just have the opportunity to fly in, or yeah, ones that I've trained? Uh, both. Uh, I'm always curious to know what people have been in, what they're flying. Well, a favorite one that I've gotten the opportunity to fly in was a, a J3 Cub. Oh um, wow! I mean, that was a dream come true when I got the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an EAA chapter actually that, uh, I didn't know was, was there, but it w- is at the airport that I learned to fly at mm-hmm. and they, they have a J actually it's a J five cub. Um, but I mean, you, you sit in that thing and it's, uh, you go back in time, honestly, it's, it's like, there's, there's nothing modern about it. Absolutely nothing. I mean, right next to you, there's, I mean, bare, barely any metal at all besides the frame of it. Um, but like the door is mostly fabric and every it's, it's, mm-hmm. it was really neat experience. Um, but then I've had the opportunity to fly in a Cirrus SR 22. Oh, wow. Um, which that was the opposite side of the spectrum. Spectral, that yeah. was just incredible, um, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, uh, my, my CFI, my instructor, um, he flies that for a company and we had to bring it down to, uh, a local airport for maintenance. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, a, just a few, like, checkups, oil change, stuff like that. Right. We weren't flying a, uh, a broken broken airplane or anything. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I, I got to fly that. I've actually had the opportunity to fly that with him a couple of times. And that's, I mean, that's just insane. It, it's, the technology that they've packed into an airplane is insane, really. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, I'd probably actually even be completely lost in it in one of these newer glass cockpit uh, aircraft. I'd probably oh, I had like, no idea what was going on. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it wasn't hard to read the tapes yeah. um, with your altitude and, and, and whatnot, but um, I mean, navigating those screens otherwise was... I, I watched my CFI do it, and he's 65 or 70 now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, what? I'm the one who should know how to work these, not right. you. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, I mean, uh, yeah, not to put stereotypes, which, which <laughs> there definitely are, though, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, but then I recently was down in Florida and had the opportunity to go in a Mooney M20R Ovation 3. Oh, man. That's a Porsche. That's a Porsche of airplanes for single engines. That's a Porsche of airplanes. Yes. Insane. All leather interior, glass cockpit, um, four axis autopilot, which was, um, you know, it it controlled your elevator, ailerons, rudder, and your throttle. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we went around and flew around the Florida Keys. Oh my gosh. So beautiful. 
Wow. Wow. And they're fast. All of them things are fast. They're so fast. I yeah. mean, for a single engine airplane that's um, not turbine uh, equipped, we were getting like 210 miles an hour of ground speed. Wow. Which is, I mean, wow. Which is definitely one of the fastest uh, single engine piston planes out there. Right. Huh. So, phenomenal. Um, so, what? Other planes, uh, sorry. No, well, I was curious uh, for doing your privates, what was the. What did you fly the most uh, for your instruction? Um, actually, almost all of my instruction was completed in a 172, a Cessna 172. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I think the year of that is, yeah, it was a 1977 um, Cessna 172M, Mike, um, that I did all, almost all my training in. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, it's a wonderful plane. Um, it was, there's no glass in that plane um but um it's just a joy to fly all the time the easiest plane to fly for sure that i've put my hands on yeah that's your uh, good good airplane for you know to learn for sure and yeah most trainings done um these days in either a 172 a 182 a 152 or a cherokee of some sort a piper cherokee right now how about instrument what are you flying for your instrument um, it's, it's also 172. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. Um, the flight school has two of them, mm-hmm. the, the flight school I go to, um, one that is IFR, uh, rated because there are a bunch of extra instruments that you need to have, yep. um, in, in a plane to have it be, uh, equipped and rated for instrument flight. Right. Um, so we, uh, we're, we're doing my training in that right now. Oh, that's awesome. And, I know maybe people don't grasp the concept and like Mike. I, I know you had to explain some of it. Yeah, to me the, I, I didn't. But know the IFR training is a whole different ballgame. It game. sounded like unbelievable it's to me. different. Yeah, I mean the only thing you have in common is the actual operation of the airplane. Mm-hmm. Everything else is different. You don't have the same uh, maps and charts. You should you explain it to the, the listeners what what kind of it does, what you're doing there. Uh, it's your orientation yeah it's just yeah, yeah, it's sure. crazy uh, because you get into the plane and you're, you're under a hood like the whole time you don't even right, you, do, yeah. you, you you go for your private license and everything's out the window don't look at the gauges look at the horizon that'll keep you yeah, straight exactly. and level and yeah. <laughs> and you get all used to that and it's all good and you, you pass your test and you get your privates and then you go in the instrument and it completely changes now they don't want you looking out the window they're like driving in reverse yeah the <laughs> right i'm trying to take it it's it's insanely different. Yeah, just a world of difference there. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're focused completely on the instruments. Right. Um, which, when you move to an instrument plane, you've got two or three times the amount of things that you have to be monitoring all the time. Right. And it, you said it even affects like your equilibrium. Like you think, oh, you're, it's you crazy. Think you're oriented oh one way, and, and you're like, worst, yeah, right? yeah. Like you, you said, it's just draining afterwards. Oh, it, they it just it totally yes. exhausts You'll you. You'll go fly for an hour, and you need to go sleep for six hours. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's so drooling yeah. or draining on the body. Yeah, no, um, I mean, but yeah, that's that's the one thing is that without any reference to the ground or the horizon, um, if you're in a turn for a minute or something, um, which will do patterns or whatever. Um, a holding pattern and you're almost in a constant turn and so you'll you'll, oh you'll my go into the turn and and kind of settle in there and when you roll back out of the turn you feel like something's off because you're so used to being in that 30 degree bank mm-hmm. wow. that you're just like your whole brain is just <laughs> like you're you're fighting your own hands just not to go back to that turn because you, you have to look at your instruments which are telling you that 
where you are now is is level, and it's just like it's it's really difficult difficult to uh, to go through that and just be able to know better than to trust yourself. Right. A, a quick little story, Mike. And you, you'll think this is funny. Uh, we were we were doing instrument training. It was a, a low ceiling day, and it was raining. So we went out. We did a m- bunch of maneuvers, Paul, and then we started shooting ILS approaches into the one okay. local airport. So I think we actually almost burned up. If I'm, if that was a long time ago, but it was almost two hours of flying time, which is a lot for y- your initial. That's a lot y- yes. Flight. So. By the time we got back, I was so exhausted, and it was still pouring down rain. I got in my truck. I pull out on the highway to drive home, and I was so mentally drained and so focused from flying IFR that I got onto the highway, and I caught myself just looking at the instrument panel in the truck. Yeah, I was like, wait, whoa, I got to I gotta refocus and look back out the window, you know what I mean? I'm like, wait, there's no altimeter, there's, you know. I was like, this is crazy. I'm not doing that no more, you know. You might want to take a break afterwards at the airport. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah, exactly. wow. Get used to looking at uh, get used to looking at the ground and the horizon for a few minutes. <laughs> Don't just hop in the truck and go. Oh no no no! <laughs> oh man, that's hilarious. Oh, yeah. There's not um, much instrumentation actually, on a vehicle. No 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 no. <laughs> You're staring at that thing. Oh, it was yeah. terrible. Just think if you would have had like the backing up camera. You know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I would have drove home backwards. Relying <laughs> <laughs> on that. Ah. <laughs> oh, Okay, Paul, so w- yeah. what I wanted to talk to you and ask you about was, and I'll, I'll tell the quick story and everything, was, you know, I, I went through and got my private and instrument and commercial and all that and did a bunch of flying. Well, fast forward, you know, 15 years later or whatever, when I started to get into RC, you know, I got a plane and I'm thinking, okay, I'm Mr. Pilot, right? I'm going to take this thing. I know all about what I'm supposed to do, you know, throttle management and the, what the ailerons and the flaps do and the blue. I mean, I'm, I'm dialed, right? So I take this thing out of the box, check it all out. I know nothing about RC. All, the only thing I'm thinking is I'm going to throw this thing in the air and I'm just going to crank it around like a real airplane, right? Well, that obviously lasted 30 seconds. Like as soon as that thing got out and I turned around, boom, it was in the grass. Yeah. And I'm like, I was so devastated. I'm like, how I'm a pilot. How can I not fly a little toy airplane? Right. Mike? You're embarrassed. It was embarrassing. And I mean, I went through crash after crash. I've told the story a million times, ran into old ladies and I've landed on roofs and I've, I've crashed warbirds in the parking. I mean, we've been over I to didn't mil- remember the old lady. Oh, one. yeah. Funny. You never heard that story? I might have, but boy, I, okay, it, real, it sounded new to me. Real, real quick, way. real quick, in case anybody hasn't heard it. No, used to fl- I, I used to fly over at Bottler Park, okay, and they had a bunch, of, well, a bunch of soccer fields over there. Well, on the one side, they had a, a wide uh, walking path. So... I got kind of the orientation down a little bit and flying around to where I wasn't crashing every time I flew. But what I would do when I'd land is I'd have it come straight at me. And then I, when it went over my head, I'd jump up and turn around so that it was going oh the right God. way. Okay. Oh and God. I would land. Oh my God. That's, that's that way. horrible. <laughs> that's <laughs> like a horrible way to land. <laughs> that was the only thing I could think of to where I, you know, I wasn't off to the side to where that plane was going away from me and I had the correct control. So 
I'm out flying around doing some things. In the meantime, I didn't know this. There's two older ladies that were back behind, behind me a ways, and they're watching me fly around. They're back there going, "Woo, this is great. Look at this the old toy airplane flying around. So as I'm coming to myself, I'm setting up the land. It comes over my head. I Did jump you? around, and then there's these two ladies. <laughs> just, they're they're <laughs> scrambling like, ah! And here comes this plane. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh no. They're going to wipe out the old ladies. I couldn't imagine when you jumped around and saw people. Oh, it was terrible. Like that. Oh. Devastating because you just like, you flew. <laughs> yeah. And I was, well, for, I mean, I was full throttle, like left, left Elrond, man. This, what happened was it went up into a pine tree because I just was like, I didn't know what to do. You had to bail out oh, or yeah. And then I'm appalled. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm saying, I thought they were going to be really mad. And they're like, no, no, we're so sorry. We didn't know that. I'm like, oh, it was a disaster. I was like, now I got to try to get this thing out of the tree. And, I was, and they're like, oh, we can help. No, just, you know, I don't. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. That, uh, that's, that's. Crazy. I don't remember I, hearing that one. hit someone with a plane. Uh, oh. I've watched someone hit themselves. Yeah. I let someone fly my, uh, let my cousin fly my Super Cub LP. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah, my cousin, he, he lives here in New York with me. Um, he's actually initially from Poland to Europe. Uh-huh. So, um, but I, I let him go at it, and he was doing pretty good. Um, but at one point, he was coming into land, and I think he bumped the throttle back up. And it just came and smacked him right in his hip. It was, it was it, like the big, you know, the big crack that you hear? Oh, mm-hmm. right in the hip. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. Wow. Yeah, so I was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, what, what happened? Did he need any stitches or did he bruise? No, I mean, yeah, it was a little bruise. Yeah. Um, luckily, you know, with the brushed motor that the Super Cup has, there's no power there. Okay. Um, which is a good thing. Yeah. Wow. But that was, that was quite the story that I, yeah. I guess uh, that will lead me to one of my other questions. What was your best crash that you can ever remember? Mine. Yeah, yeah yours, yes, Paul. Paul. Yeah, um... The best, or most, you know, funny. Uh, I actually, well, I mean, if it's okay, there's two of them. They're both pretty quick. That's fine. Go ahead. But the first one was I was flying a Bloody Wonder, an FT Bloody Wonder that I built, and um, doing some light uh, aerobatics with that. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, doing loops and dives and whatnot. Um, But I noticed that there was some sort of flutter with my elevator. And I was, I was like, oh, it's just must be a little bit of a, a hot glue issue. So I put some hot glue back into the, um, you know, the little hinge there. Mm-hmm. So uh, and I took, took it back out and went at it. And so I was doing some more, um, doing some more aerobatics, and uh, I went into a dive, and I, I, I tried to pull up, and I'm like, no, no way. And so, I mean, I, I started um, using my ailerons and just I tried to put it into a spin, hoping that something would work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I ended up just shutting the throttle down it and watched it dive straight into a fence post. Oh. <laughs> like, this, this fence post was so perfectly positioned that the fuselage was perfectly intact when I got back to the plane. But there was a fence post stuck from the front to the back, coming oh. right at the tail. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, my and and. So was this like a metal fence post? 
Oh yeah, this was like one the, of the metal stakes oh that went right through, like yeah, and impaled yeah. the whole fuselage. In. Oh and my so gosh! And so my my lipo ended up bursting, um, and I had a fire. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know the fire, fire. To get water when I really should have taken the sand. pictures. <laughs> Number one, first thing you do after a crash, you take pictures, right? Yeah. <laughs> to pretend to the fire later. You might get it on pictures, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so and that was the demise of the first bloody wonder I had. But then um, with my Radiant, actually, I was, do- I was doing some thermals out in my backyard. and um, Well, backfields, really. And um, I noticed that there were a few birds. So I was like, hey, let's go, let's go say hi to the birds. Um, and so... I went over there and I was flying with them and they'd see, I was I found the thermal that they were using these hawks or whatever they were um, but then I uh, I think I got too close to one or two of them and they got angry and this I mean I heard about stories of, of birds coming at your airplanes but I never had it happen and so I mean I was doing anything I could just to get away from these they were <laughs> you know dive bombing me. And so one of the times, um, what That's happened hilarious. was, uh, one of them, um, got at my, uh, battery hatch, you know, the little magnetic, um, yeah. canopy uh-huh. that they have. And so that thing came out. And so I must not have secured my battery well enough within that, that I was, you know, doing these dives and turns and, you know, doing whatever I could that I noticed all of a sudden Batteries my battery out. flopped over onto the side of my radiant. I was like, no, that, that's, this is not going to turn out well. Um, <laughs> A few seconds later, I noticed um, I noticed yeah, what ended up being the battery drop from the radiant. I was and and it was yeah, it, it was. Then you're then you have no control and you're and you're trying to control it and you're like until you realize the bat you have no power and you're like why am I even fumbling with the sticks at this point? You know, it's just gonna flutter down. I did the same thing with my sky surfer. Devastating, you know. <laughs> Your heart sinks because you watch your plane, it, your perfectly good plane, yeah. nosedive into the ground. It, uh, just I just worse. remember watching and my then, battery hang all of a sudden it dropped. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's yeah, it. And, and, yeah, and that's what's exactly weird is it takes your mind to – like it's, yeah. it's out of my hands. It takes your mind a second because I'm like, why is it not responding? I'm like, dummy, the battery's not even in the plane at this point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think the last, put, that, the last input I had on my thing must have been a little bit too much uh, down. down elevator. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's so, where I mean, it's it locked. really dove. Oh, wow. First. Luckily, mine uh, kind of just did some purposing until it got down. But Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, uh, remember <laughs> that time that um, – Oh, well, you you were porpoising in uh, into landing with your radiant. At, uh, uh, oh, uh, hang on for that. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get to that in just a second. I'm saving that for very last, oh very last. Gosh. We cannot read. Yes, that we are. Oh, that is that is classic. Oh yes, we are. I'll never uh, forget that moment. Okay, uh, so go ahead. Yeah, that that was the other thing that happened. Is um, but that was the uh, the the time when I crashed my radiant. Uh, I mean, this was days after I got back from flight fest. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, because I think I got the crash story just real quick after Flight Fest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, Paul. A couple more things, real quick. And, and did you did you bring your friend by any chance? Is he listening? Is it Christopher? No, unfortunately, he wasn't able to to come. But oh, okay. if you don't mind, I'll give him a quick shout out. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um. Sure. Shout out to uh, Christopher Hopper on Instagram. He's the Dutch Viking. Mm-hmm. I did uh, check him out on the Instagram a little bit. It's yeah, pretty, yeah. It looks like he's into the FPV wings, the race wings I saw. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yep. He does wings a lot. Yeah, uh, um, and, and he's part of a team. Oh. It's called what? Rum Rum Runner FPV. 
Yeah, Run Runner FPV. Yep. yep. I th- I think. Yeah, I was looking at that too. They didn't have a lot on that post, but that it was a valid name. Yeah. So, yeah. Our team. So, um, but the, yeah, the funny thing I just found out is I'm actually applying to work at a Coldstone Creamery in the area. Oh. And he's a co-owner of the Coldstone Creamery. Oh wow. So yeah, th- that was that's cool. So that's how you met then, basically. You said, he, you said he only lives like 15 minutes from you? How did you meet him yeah, or hang he out? Lives, he lives really close. Um, he's actually a worship leader at a church that I go to. Okay, that's right. Um, he, and his, he and his wife do some of that. Um, but they actually, um, they, they have a, 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 I think, a, a record, an album. There we go. Sure. They have an album, and I know they sent, uh, sent a copy of that to some of the team members at Flight Test. Um, I know Josh Bixler did a video on that at one point. Cool. Okay, Paul, real quick, I want to ask you before we get to uh, the famous Radian story at Flight Fest with Mike. Yeah. Wh- my question to you is, is I know everything I kind of learned and went into RC, it went kind of right out the window learning to fly. So I want to know on your end, since you got into the RC first and then went over to the full scale, did you notice anything that crossed over or that helped you into this full scale getting your license? after flying oh, RC? Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the whole idea of uh, putting putting even a motor mount at an at angle, you know, mm-hmm. was was one of the huge, was one of the things that uh, that helped me. Um, but then the whole aerodynamics of flight completely went went over from RC to full scale. Um, it was an easier transition so, that way than it sounds like than going the other way. From what right, I'm getting. Right, right, yeah. Because it gave you the terminology um, I, and things like that, I think too, which would help. Yeah, the terminology um, a bit with with re- relation to um, just aerodynamics and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, obviously, a few things that were tough that I didn't initially expect were just um, terminology for that they use for full scale that that didn't quite um, transfer over. Um, there's there's something called the V speeds. Um, I mean, there are um, a myriad of those, um, you know, ones that you use when when doing different things in flight. Um, like there's different ones for stall speeds and um, landing speeds, takeoff speeds, all all kinds um, there. But right. And there's um, the other thing that that I had a really tough time was with the phonetic alphabet. Actually. Oh really? Um, I mean, I I. I had learned it before, but um, just having being able to just you know get that all out immediately, you know whatever I needed mm-hmm. there, um, you know the right letters or whatever, was just something that I struggled with just because um, I, I mean I guess I'd never practiced and I never used it before. Right, right. Yeah, because there's certain words for each letter. Right? Yeah, That's Alpha, Bravo, right. Charlie, yeah. Delta, Echo, yeah. Fox. I mean, I see. Yeah. I have to look Golf. up a lookup chart at work because uh, I don't know them offhand. But uh, the, yeah, I understand yeah. why he's saying you have to be able to rattle it off in emergency or whatever. You yeah. got to know that stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, like secondhand nature. The, the thing, the big thing that that was with that was um, when going into a towered airport. The, the airport I learned at. Um, the Watertown International Airport. We're not actually a, um, a towered airport. Mm-hmm. We're an uncontrolled airport. Yep. Um, so going to any kind of uh, controlled airport, you need to be able to, you know, just immediately respond using any of those um, those letters. So, um, like, especially when you're doing taxi instructions, <laughs> all the 
the taxiways and select yeah. streets are named by a letter. So, you know, there's taxiway Alpha or Bravo or whatever it, um, and so on, um, which, you know, I would, I would go on the radio and I'd be like, oh, I'm on taxiway A. And I'm like, no, Alpha. <laughs> You're right. Because, you know, it was yeah. just like yeah. something you had to get, wrap your brain around. Sure. Um, it, and plus, when you're first learning to fly, like later on, after you get going everything, you can almost anticipate what the controller is going to tell you. You kind of oh, almost sure. are a step Absolutely. ahead. But but in the beginning, you have like you're kind of clueless. And they talk so fast and rattle that stuff off so easy. It's like you remember oh, the first God. two things and you're like, oh, crap, what did what he say? You, oh. you forget. Yeah, you're just, you're just and being a shot. guy, I don't listen to begin with. Oh, you. <laughs> well, that's mess. the thing. You're, you're focused on flying the airplane. You're already sweating bullets trying like to keep that to thing level. Wife, yeah. you know? It's like, oh, what'd yeah, she yeah, say? Right. I don't know. <laughs> Yes, you know, and then you got to talk to somebody. I, my wife, I'll hear the first sentence, and then it's like pick up milk afterwards. I'm like, oh man, I forgot oh that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. You know, I should have my mom. I should have my mom be one of those because I feel like a lot of time. I mean, not not to 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 uh, down down on her. But, yeah, um, it, it's definitely just a you know an occupied person thing, right? Um, so you, you know, you got to be able to uh, to pick all all the information up, um, and that's one of the most embarrassing things is is having to go back to the control and be like, "Hey, I missed the last whatever mm-hmm. uh, instruction of, of what you said." Right. Um, like especially in, in during instrument flight, you know, you're so comfortable flying the airplane, um, w- being able to see outside. Yes. You get into the thing, and you just your your mind is so occupied monitoring every single instrument in the airplane. Yep. I mean, you're just completely occupied like you don't you don't have anything else that you can think of you have no brain space yeah that, right you know which was which was the way it was initially flying uh getting my private pilot's license but you know after a while you get you get comfortable um flying the plane you know you you get used to some things you know um and you have a little bit more brain space or whatever so you can talk to people or whatever might be happening in the airplane right my my biggest thing paul i learned real quick when i started flying is when i talk to controllers i'm a student pilot <laughs> i oh tell them God. that all the time and they're a little little bit more forgiving when they hear you're a student pilot yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll come on um the tail number of the plane that i flew was uh november 20528 so i'll always come on november 20528 student, student pilot. pilot yes <laughs> that's your saving, saving grace so if you screw up really bad hey man i'm just a student pilot <laughs> i mean I'd be 15 years <laughs> into it still saying student pilot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's not about doing that. Um, like if I go into if I go into a big big airspace, like uh, I don't I mean I I don't foresee me doing it, but if I go into like New York City airspace or something, oh wow, um, go in there and be uh, you know go in there and call call student pilot right away so that you know whatever a little yeah. bit more grace on yeah. the controller's end. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, uh, and one crazy thing we did, which I, I don't think it's, they would, I don't know, they might still do it nowadays. Cause again, I got my license a long time ago, but Paul, when I was getting my commercial, you know, you're in the complex airplane and everything. My instructor made me, and of course he was with me. Thank goodness. Uh, he made me do a night VFR cross country flight into Washington Dallas airport. Holy cow. That's insane. 
Sa- Washington Dulles Airport. Yeah. Well, the crazy thing was is even when we were heading over there, he's, he he already told me he goes, "We're probably not. E- they probably won't even let us in there. Like we'll get close and we'll probably just get vectored around because there's no way they're going to let us do a touch right, and go." Right, 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 right. But the crazy thing was is they have them. They had the restricted zones all around Washington Dulles. So. Uh, at the altitude we were flying, we had to get vectored. It looked like war games underneath of us because they were military, you know, the restricted zones like on the VFR charts. So right, they were right. they were hot and in use, and it looked like war games under there with them doing all their maneuvers, and we had to get vectored all around there. And, I mean, I, that was another one. By the time we got back, I was shot, like literally just done. I was toast. Sure. It was yeah, fun. No, I mean, it's, it's insane how mentally taxing um, some of this can be. Right. You know, you I, I initially I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I love doing the um, RC, so I'm sure it's not that big a difference mm-hmm. um, between the two. But I got in that plane, and um, you know, you just I was silent for hours at a time, which <laughs> was like, I mean, I'm I'm not a very quiet person. I'm usually pretty comfortable. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, I was just so quiet. Like I noticed it too, and I was just like, wow. And I would get out of the plane, and I'd go home and i just take this big nap mm-hmm. and um i mean you know that that phase sort of wore off as i got more comfortable um but then you know the same thing with instrument flying is um i'm actually at a community college right now um so i'm trying to do instrument as well as uh do some college um education right and you know i'll go between classes go fly and get back and i'm just like I should not have flown. I was not mentally <laughs> rested enough for this. Yeah, it's, right. Yeah, it's crazy. Now, do you do you have other family members that are in the flight, or are you the first to kind of tackle this, getting um, your pilot's license? My my grandfather um, on my dad's side was uh, did some flying. He was in the army. He didn't do any um, for the army, but at his base there was a little um, club that that the soldiers could join. Um, and just, you know, do some flying, get their private if they could. Um, he never actually got his private, I don't think, mm-hmm. but he did, he did enjoy flying, uh, in a 152 or something uh, of that sort while he was there. Um, but other than that, I, I don't, um, before I got into, um, RC and full scale alike, um, I really never, um, yeah, no one, no one in my family really did, uh did any uh, uh full-scale cool. aviation are you are you do you have more goals after the private are you doing going to do commercial or i didn't know like um there's different I mean, levels of it all the way yeah yeah uh, i'd love to do commercial and then uh hopefully me. be become um an airline pilot at some level wow it's, it's sort of my dream cool well we wish you luck yes, on that it's definitely. uh That'd yeah, it's a awesome. process to get, you know, and it, and you'll find out if you do go through there. Sure. Yeah, it takes like years and years before you're actually, you know, out and get in yeah. with somebody and make some decent money. You know, it's it's for tough. Sure. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, Paul, before we let you go, though, we got to dive into the story. And we've we've talked about it on this podcast before, and, and Mike's got his version. But we'll- and I apologize to listeners that don't like hearing things over again, but that is by far my – it's burned into my memory forever. But you've got to tell your side of the story. And when we had our big radiant fly and we had, I don't know, 15, 20 of them in the air, it was crazy at Flight Fest this year. And here's poor Mike over there going, do to do, I'm all good. And like, wait a minute. That's not me. I don't. 
That's not it me. It seemed like forever to me. I'm not even kidding. It I was know like, it. <laughs> and you were the lifesaver. You're the one that. that I sp- thought I was way out in the right. woods somewhere, out of sight. I mean, I couldn't believe where it ended up. You know, yeah, I'll let you tell, yeah. but I was like, oh my gosh. So I'm like yelling help. Exactly. I was like mayday, mayday, yeah. <laughs> whatever, anything. <laughs> so what? What? What happened, Paul? Were you were you just hanging out, or were you know spotting? No, yeah, I was. I was hanging out. Um, I don't think I don't remember if I was spotting for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was sort of hanging around some of the um, FD crew members. Mm-hmm. Um, funny thing. Um, the, I mean, the main reason I was around is because it was just. I was I was honestly walking around with um, with sunblock just because of how much sun there was. Mm-hmm. I was walking around putting sunblock on people, um, doing that sort of. But then, um, I mean, I knew what Mike's radiance looked like with the two big X's, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's correct. And too so, um, an electrical I sort tape of was, was looking, and I, it looked like it was you know doing the porpoising thing where you know it would go down, dive a little bit, level off, and then uh, go down again. And I was like, "What?" Is so it was erratic thing? enough that it caught your eye. I was, obviously, I was a little bit confused. I was like, "Okay, maybe that's just his technique." For- <laughs> the, well, like, see if that was me, I'd look at it and go, "Yeah, that's Mike. That's <laughs> that's Mike's technique, all right." Look, <laughs> <laughs> my cub all over. Yeah, yeah. that's Mike. <laughs> I have any idea what was going? on there um <laughs> they're gonna call me flipper i think because of my air style flying really low and so i, mean, I, I just yelled at mike you're like mike is not that your plane mike your plane's right <laughs> and it was right over the banner there on the runway yeah, i'm like was, i mean it was I, I don't know by the time mike noticed where it was I i'm like oh my gosh you're right you're right thank you paul thank you oh my I gosh mean, it uh, that I mean, and and the thing is, I mean, I don't really know what would have happened had it had it continued. Oh. Would, have, would it would have hit? Would it went in the parking lot? Hit I the cars? I think it was high enough. It would have went like out of the runway into something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where. The cars or people or um, you know, right into the flight. Line. Oh man, could you imagine? Oh. Runaway radiant right into the crowd. I just like, can't believe he spotted it, and I had just enough time to like cor- you know correct and avoid something catastrophe, some catastrophe there. Wow. But um, right. oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, you were like literally an angel that day for me because I'm like, <laughs> I thought that plane was toast. And then when you said, Isn't that your plane? And I mean, I'm looking way up here and I come down over here. I'm like, Oh my gosh, how did it? I'm thinking in my head, How did I get over here? You know? yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, still spotting sure. planes up there, way up there, thinking I'm up there. That is unbelievable feeling when, and I'm like like 20 yards off the ground, you know, oh, to go from right, thinking you're yeah. up there and then yeah. you're looking down. And you're like, I, right. Whoa. Yep. And I yeah, guarantee I, I was yeah, out of control for 30 <laughs> seconds, you know, to get that, to drop oh, that far. Now, Paul, <laughs> how did I maintain control to even bring it within <laughs> our range like that? You know, I, I yeah, <laughs> that's totally blind. That's one time. thing good about the radium because if you don't <laughs> oh touch gosh. the sticks on that thing, it just flies. Well, obviously, I wasn't. <laughs> Well, you were trying to find it, looking around. It's got to be around here somewhere. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I couldn't believe it. How long? I've never flown a plane that long without having a clue. That's all I know. Now, I mean, how, that was like crazy now, co- of course, Mike thinks it was like an hour that he was, oh, you know. Oh. How long do you and think I, it? I landed that, and I'm like, I am done for the day. I mean, that was the most exhilarating. My heart was like pounding out of its chest. How long yeah. do you think, Paul, that he was he was actually fl- not flying his airplane? Do you have a rough guess? Oh, it had to be a long a time. Yes. Um, I mean, I noticed it porpoising. Um, I mean, pretty high up there at first. Um, I, I noticed the plane. I you know I couldn't tell the bottom of the wings at that point just because I wasn't really looking for it. Mm-hmm. But um, 
I mean, it was a solid three minutes that it was porpoising. Oh, you know, man. It was that long? Wow. I didn't think it was that long. I knew it felt like an hour, I but mean, I wasn't sure. You know, I noticed, like, you must have been, like, you know, wiggling your sticks trying to... Sure, throw, like, I was. Because I think even but everybody said, you know, don't do uh, anything, or they yelled know, I, at I it. Noticed it. I noticed it, you know, start to come down a bit, and then it would do some really erratic things, you know, for a second. Go, <laughs> he was go. watching my plane long more than I was, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah, realize yeah. that. I'd watch it shoot up 100 or 200 feet because he would plow the throttle into it. <laughs> my <laughs> stick. I did everything, man. I, mean, I honestly assumed at first, I just didn't know whose plane it was, but I assumed that it must have been some beginner who was just having a signal or something. I was just like, it's just, What's happening? You know, because no one was calling. I didn't realize you. I didn't realize you watched it for that long. This is crazy. This is all new information to us. Really, we didn't know about this. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um. You must have took your eye off of it for a little bit. So long. It's just. Because yeah. he kept, you know, throttling up, and then I, I don't know what his, your exact thought process was, Mike. But <laughs> I, I don't either. I was like, okay, you know, whoever whoever it is must must be just, you know, like coming down for a little bit, seeing, trying to trim the plane out or something. Honestly. Oh. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my god! So, I just know my heart was racing. I said, I don't think anyone had that kind of thrill out of flying a if you want to call it a thrill or whatever. But yeah, oh yeah, my exactly. gosh! But then, um, you know, after the fact, I I sort of just had the thought, oh, maybe you know, when you were when you had lost it, your your idea was maybe throttle that up, see if I can, you know, well, obviously. Bring it out. I, or whatever it might be. Obviously, uh, I thought I was flying a different plane for a while. You know what I mean? Because I was watching, and um, then all of a sudden, I realized it wasn't responding, and then I got into panic mode. Yeah, so yeah, who knows exactly. how long I really was up there, uh, not right. controlling my plane? You know, because I'm sitting there thinking, "Oh, I'm just hovering right. here," you know, with this, and it yeah, wasn't even my plane. You know, so oh, oh my gosh. Was it the same thing that happened to me? Remember the kid that was flying that little, little. Uh, uh, what was it, little little yellow bird plane? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what got yeah. me, right? Because it went right by my face, and I looked at it, and I looked back up, and I went, oh, no. Uh-huh. <laughs> the duration was definitely long for me not controlling that plane. Long, I thought 30 seconds, but I right. honestly think it was even more than that after hearing his Yeah. His oh, for it. sure, way longer than 30. It sounded like a couple minutes. Yeah. Oh, my god. Because my thought was like, okay, Mike, whoever had lost the plane, I mean, I, I sort of thought was like, okay, so they're throttling up, so maybe they want to see if they can find it, but then like, you know, backing off the throttle, like, oh, it's a, it's a lost case, I'm not even going to try, kind of thing. I can't believe you watched it for that long. That's right, awesome. Yeah. Well, I was so glad to share your side of it. That definitely added input on that. That, that was experience. good. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, thanks, Paul. We really oh, appreciate it. Loved having yeah, it was good here. to finally hear the, the whole story behind that. I know we heard bits and pieces, but to have you <laughs> the on. The duration and, was more yeah. than I for thought. Sure. Thanks so much for having me. Right. Oh, my gosh. And, uh, it was really fun. Enjoyed it. Yeah, it was fun. I'm glad you could join us. Uh, we'll get you on again sometime. Maybe after you get through yeah, your absolutely. instrument, we'll we'll give you a buzz and see how that went and your awesome. thoughts and everything. So for sure, yeah, I, <laughs> that may be a while. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Hey, thanks, Paul. Uh, we, d- by the way, do you think you'll make it to uh, Flight Fest this year? Just out of curiosity. Absolutely. Um, me and my cousin Patrick. Um, uh, he he his dad has a house out in Colorado, and so we're going for a family reunion um, slash anniversary for my grandparents out there. And then uh, hopefully flying into Ohio and going to flight 
Fest. Uh, oh, all right. right. That. Well, awesome. I really definitely hope to see you there for sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you don't mind, guys, just just really quick, I have a couple of shout-outs that I'd like to give, unless that's an issue. No, go ahead. Okay, um, yeah. So first, like, um, my friend Toby Ray, um, I'm sure you guys know him. Yeah, he is, like, the master of all scratch builds, yep. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, so I figured just uh, shout-out to him. Um, he's a pretty great guy. And then also um, my cousin Patrick, um, who is the one who got me into – RC actually, um, it was yeah, it was a uh, uh, him who got me into RC flying with a uh, knuckle H quad actually. Oh wow! Uh, that that old dinosaur. Oh, um, I so. I own one. That's not. Yeah, <laughs> I know what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's no modern technology now. No. Um, but then also Julian Waters. Um, I met him at uh, Flight Fest the first time I went, and I've been corresponding with him since. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. Great um, shout outs there for sure. Everything I have to say. All Very right. Good. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks we appreciate it. Yep. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you so soon. Good. Yeah. Really enjoyed it, guys. All right. Take care, All buddy. Right. Have a good night. You yeah, too. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Paul Jennings. Very he's a character, good. isn't he? Oh, yeah. He's a great kid. Well, what do you say, Andre? Should we see if our uh, next guest is available? Yes, sir. All right. Gosh, I didn't realize how late it is already. Make sure GarageBand doesn't shut down. It's going. I'm keeping my eye on it. Trust me. All right. Here's the the guy a lot of people have been waiting to hear from. We haven't talked to him for a while, so I'm excited. Let's see if we can't get Stuart on here, see what he's up to and what's new and exciting. Because he kind of reached out to us a little bit. That's awesome. Yeah. Said, hey, I want to come on, let you know what's going on. Hey, there he is. Stuart. We're live, just so hey. you know. How you doing, buddy? Good. Awesome. Live and well. <laughs> awesome. I'm glad you could join us. It was kind of a last-minute deal. I wasn't expecting it, but you are like, hey, I want to come on and talk to him. I'm like, heck yeah, Absolutely. come on. Let's, let's bring it. That's always that's always the case with me. It's always last minute. Uh, uh, I'm, right there. I'm right there with you. Don't feel bad. <laughs> So, what's new? What's exciting? Fill us in. We haven't talked to you for a while. I know Andre got the uh, the new uh, EFX Extra, and he's got a little time on that. So, we talked about that in yes, the last podcast. But I know you got some new and exciting stuff. Also, I want to talk about the Spitfire because I just watched the video on that. I did as well. And, and Mike watched it today, and I was like, wow, that thing is crazy. So let me grab a few pieces. You can see me, right? I'm gonna yeah. grab a few pieces. For all right. So first of all, we'll grab this. One second. You might recognize that. Oh yeah. There's that one. See, had I been prepared, I would have done this beforehand. That's okay. That's we got right. all night. We don't care. So we'll put. The- yeah, we only have the Super Bowl to watch. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> that's, uh, that's some kind of football game. Right? <laughs> yeah, but we don't watch it anyway, so we don't really care. But the, ball, the ball's not round. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right, right. Okay. So how's Australia treating, treating you down there? It's well, it's, it's hot here. It's like... Um, well, our winters, they're 40, summer. Right. It's almost 40 degrees here. Hang on one second, guys. Ugh. Yeah, we were talking to, I was talking to my buddy Scott the, this evening, and they were out flying, and he says they've got to get up at, like, you know, the crack of dawn to do any kind of flying, because otherwise it just gets too hot to do sustained flights. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it really, I mean, 
It was hot in Hong Kong, but it was it was a different kind of hot. It was humid hot there. What is he showing? So for at least listeners? it does it doesn't have that. All right, I think that's enough to show and tell. Mm-hmm. Shut the door. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, sorry, you asked about what specifically first? Because I'll show you what we've got in front of us here. Okay. And um, we've got the fuselage of the big Spitfire that I, that you, I think I announced just last week. <coughs> Uh, behind that is the PF-109. Right. Oh, I'm so excited. Can you see that, Mike? Oh, wow. The bush mule. Okay, I like this. Yes. That's interesting. I think that's been, le- think that's been leaked already. I think that will resonate with a lot of your followers there. That's a, It's based yeah. on the um, uh, the Sky Mule. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the known and loved Tundra, but this is the color Tundra version. Yes, that looks like the purple one, I believe. Yep. Yeah, this is the one with the pin-pin gold rims on the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> but this is... Um, this is Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know the ones. Uh, this is the earlier one, so it's got the original wheels. The new one has the... Um, it's like the, you know, the stress ball material? Mm-hmm. It's that kind of material for the wheels. Um, and we've, we've hardened the... Uh, we've thickened the uh, outer shell of it, so it's... It's uh, able to sustain more rough and tumble when it comes to uh, stall landings and stuff like that. So, did you uh, on, on the on the tires? Did you see a lot of benefit for as far as you know touching down on tarmac kind of surfaces? Then, oh, his uh, uh, less bounce, which I think was the, the main benefit that people were looking for, right? Yeah. So I think your video, uh, maybe we should shut off the video, Stuart. I think the feed is just taking too much of a hammering with the video. We do have terrible Wi-Fi here. Let me, okay, I'm going to turn it off now. So, well, that's what we've got to talk about. And then Yeah, for sure. It. Yep. Yes. Sorry about that. Yeah, I'll shut mine off so we'll yeah. save some bandwidth. That's all right. There we go. All right. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're very busy. We're very, very busy. We wanted to go really hard and fast for 2017. Um, with our core categories. Um, I think we probably got a little bit wayward, as did most companies uh, in 2016, and a little bit distracted. But we're, we're bringing it back to our roots uh, in that respect now. Right. Hence all the different plane releases, one announcement. Yeah, let's see. I don't, man. Okay, let's, let's go back to the Tundra a little bit. Cause obviously, uh, yeah. we all have one here. We fly the daylights out of the thing. Well, besides Mike, but <laughs> come on, <laughs> Mike, man. we give Mike the sticks every now and then I'm and he, 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 he cranks it around. Um, <laughs> but what, you know, one, what brought on the colors? Why all of a sudden, you know, that's, Kind of, you know, besides the Warbirds where you have different markings or um, stickers or something like that, generally on, on a plane, a normal plane, you don't get options like that. And so I was really surprised that, you know, I think you guys might have uh, maybe I don't know, put a little teaser out quite a while back about having some different colors. I heard some rumblings and rumors about that. But then when I actually seen yeah. that there was more than just one extra color, you know, I was really shocked. But what was your idea or thought process behind that? Um, it's, it was really just, principally, it was a celebration uh, uh, of the anniversary of the Tundra and of the Tundra itself. Um, because it's it's been a great seller for us, and we see a lot of people with them, uh, and we know that they enjoy them. But 
one, one of the things actually it might not seem like a problem, but if you just offer one color, then that means <laughs> when you go down to your club or to your oh house, yes, green tundra, yes. Um, so you guys know that. Problem. Oh, <laughs> way too well. Someone mowed a tree because of because uh, of that issue last summer with us. Yeah, so if I would get a purple one. I would break up your green schemes, you guys. Yeah, yeah. I was flying Andre's plane, went right through a tree. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> Perfect camouflage. As well. Yep. yep. <laughs> so the, the, it, there's that aspect of it. Sure. That was really just a byproduct of it. It was really just about the anniversary. Um, Celebrating the Tundra, it got RC Group's Plane of the Year. Mm -hmm. We're very proud of that. It's a great flying plane. We saw a lot of uh, love in the community for it, and a whole even uh, this was the amazing thing for us, and we've never really had this before. A whole community built up around. uh, I mean, we had it maybe with like the Bigster and other planes like that, but not with the Dura Fly model. So we saw a community build up around it, which was we wanted to. Recognize and an and honor, I guess. Um, and of course, you know, we get to sell a lot more tundras, which is great as well. Right. Now, next, right on, we'll move right on to the wheels because, again, the, the big tires are great. I, I love the foam tires. Of course, we all know the, the original ones on the foam cub, and they've gotten a little bit better here and there. But what mm-hmm. did kind of surprise me is when we were doing some testing and we were uh, had the Tundra out and we were also flying the E-Flight Timber. Now, the Timber mm-hmm. kind of went to those rubbery-type wheels, and we did notice a little less bounce with them, and they seemed to just work better. So, again, yeah. I was shocked that you guys turned around and came address out with that. the, yeah, address that issue. Not that the stock ones, you know, came with the original Tundra were bad, but this is a, mm-hmm. a big improvement. And what I like about it is, you know, you kept them the same size and everything, which was one little thing we didn't like about the Timber was, yeah, that does have the large wheels, but we thought they could be a little bit bigger, you know, on the Timber. Yeah. So again, where did that, did you, did you realize like, yeah, they work and they're, they're okay, but you know, there's something we can do better with this. Um, well, first of all, I wanted a point of differentiation between the two other than just the, um, the color. Um, and only the color tundras will come supplied with those new wheels. Correct. However, the wheels will be available as a separate spare part if you want to upgrade your existing uh, green tundra. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm a simple guy, and uh, <clears throat> I look at things far more pragmatically and simply, basically – uh, I liked. I prefer the look of the of the new foam wheels over the old ones because they looked like real wheels. Mm-hmm. They were squidgy, and you know they would slightly compress if you load it up with a battery. Uh, and the original original prototypes when we were testing density, densities of foam, um, we got them really really soft, but too soft. But it looked very cool because mm-hmm. they would like they would go flat when you put a battery in. And, um, <laughs> unfortunately, they they wouldn't stay together, so we had to go for a more dense foam. Uh, but still, it, it looks cool, and that's primarily uh, my my objective there. It was for the aesthetics of it. Mm-hmm. And you notice it. When you put them together, you see the difference. And if you just think, oh, well, that's cool, then then it's done its job. It has the added benefit of, you know, being uh, – um, what's the word? It has the added benefit of working better on um, on tarmac and yes. stuff like that. Too. Yep, yep. So that's, a, that's a happy upshot. Right, uh, and the weight is about about the same. They weigh a little bit more, so there's really no penalty. 
Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, you, you mentioned the big wheels or the bigger wheels and the size of wheels. Yes. For me, bush wheels, they can never be big enough. I agree. On the original, on the original Tundra CNC, we actually had wheels twice the size they are. Oh, there. my gosh. Um, but I had to oh, – it, it was getting stupid. I mean, I like big wheels. Um, and they, they were getting so big that they were acting as like a vertical surface and they were screwing up the flight performance mm-hmm. of the Tundra. Right, right. So we really had to – them back. Yeah, I could see that. Wow, that's pretty cool. Now, I have a question for you, and I, I don't know where I might have read this, or maybe it was even on RC. This was a while back, but on the newer Tundras, the, the colored ones with the, the new wheels and everything. Now, a while back, did maybe this was just a rumor too. I don't know. And I, and I even talked about it, but I could be way off on this. And now we have you on, I'll know for sure. But did you guys do from the original Tundra any kind of different, uh, heavy, more, um, I don't know how to put it, bracing or some diff, something different where the wings go together? Did you beef that up at all or do anything different? Or is that exactly um, the same? No, not particularly. What we did do... Um the plastic uh, that the screw goes into, mm-hmm. it just added more material there. Okay. There wasn't really much meat, meat on the bone or, or meat for the screw to grab onto. Okay. So we've thickened the plastic of the wing seat um, and we've just improved uh, QC in terms of the some, – some of our workers would forget what glue is and how to apply it, it seems. So we've, we've asked them in uh, polite terms to please use more glue in assembly, mm-hmm. which will actually help a lot. Yeah, um, but yeah, primarily it's just adding more meat for the screws for the wing mounting system, so it's got more to bite onto. But the, the the good thing about the Tundra is that it's a practical size that you can pretty much fit in any vehicle assembled as it yeah. is, f- for the most part. So right. we're, we're finding that the majority of people aren't taking the wing apart anyway. And for those that are, uh, with that additional plastic material, mm-hmm. then. Um, we found that should have been sufficient. Right. I have another question for you, and I just wondered if, uh, and again, we most of our tundras we have now, are, uh, and everybody that I fly with, are the pretty early models. Now, one issue we did run into a little bit with it on floats is if we had kind of a rough landing, the little plastic tabs that were glued on the actual foam float would pull apart. Yep. Did you yep. guys run into any of that problem maybe on the earlier models? Uh, I, I didn't myself, but uh, we're always listening to feedback. And in fact, I got a message on RC Groups just today mm-hmm. about the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. So I have asked for those to be available as separate spare parts. But at the same time, I'm getting the, uh, um, the, the print file for that component. So customers that have the means to 3D print can 3D print some temporary ones whilst they wait for the other ones to come into stock. Oh, okay. Excellent. Now, and the only reason I'm telling you this, obviously, look, looking at it, Stuart, it looked like just for us it was just a glue thing like we just put some extra glue back in it stuck it together and we've never had a problem since so it just looked like something coming from the factory that they just didn't quite have enough glue on them i think they they forgot what glue is and how it how it's going to work (laughs) right other than we've had a a change of guard in that respect yeah other than that i mean we've had no issues with that i mean that thing we beat the daylights out of that airplane (laughs) i mean literally beat it it. fun and It it, it just keeps coming back for more it's unbelievable I, I did. The, I did the same on the Tundra Challenge when I was doing uh, practice for the stool loop, and I totally miscalculated it, and I basically plowed into the ground. And what would have destroyed, you know, many other models, the Tundra basically just bent its 
entire landing gear. And it surprised me how strong that mounting bracket is on the fuselage because I was able to put a lot of force on the wire to pull it back into shape and it was fine other than a broken prop. So, yeah, very hardy. I think it helps that it's lightweight as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So hey, as your motto goes, fly it like you stole it. Yeah, fly it like you stole it. <laughs> I yeah. like that. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, I, I have this in my notes. I wanted to talk about it real quick, especially for people that don't know about it. You guys posted a little video here three, four days ago about the, excuse me, the Tundra Challenge, Challenge where you cool. got to do three things. You got to do the shortest takeoff and landing, and landing uh, the, the stall loop. Stall loop. And what was the other thing? Then it's just if you wreck, you got go. Oh, yeah, the, the best wreck. <laughs> That is a fan, that is a fantastic idea because every time we're out flying, so that's generally what we end up doing. Even, okay, who he, can get the shortest landing? Out, if you don't do one and two correctly, at least you got three. Exactly. On video, so so yeah. where, where did that come from? Just you know, like hey, we ought to this. Everybody wants to do this. Well, let's just make a challenge. You know, <laughs> that's yeah, great. Well, it's um, like you said, everyone was doing it anyway. So why not give people recognition for sure. it? And then at the same time capture that enthusiasm as a footprint on social media um, just so everybody can share in the uh, the fun that is the tundra yes and again if, if it all goes wrong then you've always got category category three, three to yeah yeah how long how long is that challenge going to uh it's gonna be for a few weeks few weeks um, okay i'd like to you're probably getting swamped with footage i imagine uh, I haven't checked. That's all down to marketing. Uh, I'll, I'll check with them. But um, we're hoping that, uh, yeah, we'll get a few entries. And then what you win is not a Tundra, but a color Tundra. And mm -hmm. the idea being is that hopefully we can get that out to you because we'll express it out to you via DHL or FedEx or whoever. So you can get it before the color Tundra goes on general release, which is about three weeks or so away. Nice. Um, yeah. And then before that, of course, there's the EF Extra that's going on sale this week, in fact, I think. Um, I'm, I want to enter. I want to try it, but I'm still waiting for our 35-mile-an-hour wins here. So. <laughs> <laughs> to give you your best chance. Yeah, chances. that's why I got my best chance. Yeah. Uh, we haven't quite had it you know, yet, but yeah, that, that looks fun. All right. It is a lot of fun. Let's uh, move right on to the EF Extra because that's something uh, Andre has in his hands. He's got a little bit of time on that. Um, we've talked about it on the podcast. Uh, but, again, what that's something, you know, you had the original one out and almost kind of like the Tundra, you took maybe some things that you didn't really like or seen where you could improve it and brought out a whole nother version you know uh, clipped wings uh put the uh fpv system on it so again just talk us a little bit through why you did what you did you know and brought out a whole nother uh concept yeah um well the, the first thing i mean with all these v2s and updates um we're only able to do them because of the initial enthusiasm for the original product um and like the tundra the efx was a, a popular model and a lot of people got behind it but we were so, I think, in all honesty, we probably rushed the original model uh, somewhat to market. And had we, in hindsight, had we spent a bit more time on it, we would have realized some of those shortfalls uh, in terms of um, uh, in terms of the internal capacity. You know, it was very difficult to fit uh, anything bigger than a 2200 in there. Uh, and uh, just a few other little bits and pieces. Not, not a great deal, um, but enough for me to want to do a V2 um, and and also by having the V1 out there it did allow us 
to uh, get feedback from the community and then work that into the V2. Mm-hmm. Um, n- not that there was any major problems with it, but the small ones, we, we always like to listen to our customers. And if there's anything that we can be improved, um, we, we like to improve it. Uh, but again, it was a very popular model. People loved it. They were sad when it went. And the only reason it went was primarily a, a production scheduling issue mm-hmm. in that the, the, actually the EFX and the EFX are still interchangeable. You can use the wing on the EFX uh, with the EFX and the fuselage of the EFX on the wing of the EFX and vice versa. Same with the tower plane as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we've done is essentially all internal. We've uh, increased that internal capacity. You can now fit up to, I think you can shoehorn in a, a 2600 Forest wow. uh, in there now, uh, or even a 1500 6S. Um, and we've added the FPV element. FPV was, as a mainstream pursuit, was pretty much in its infancy a few years ago when um, the EFX came out. And we saw a lot of people were doing it themselves anyway off their own back. Mm-hmm. We did it ourselves and we saw how much fun it was and how much potential it had. So we, we, went, on, we went along and created the FPV pod and tried to make it as integral to the design as possible in terms of fit and streamlining. Um, it's a little bit difficult to streamline it because you're basically sure. a, a right. camera behind the propeller. But we've done you know, a job that we think is reasonable and it works well. Right. Um, so that it gave us a platform to pursue this new area without committing a whole new model to the to the experiment because it's it's still an experiment FPV on fixed wing uh, certainly as a business it's a bit of an experiment um, but that's this gave us a, a rock solid platform and you guys know the EFX is rock solid yes and with FPV on Andre I know you've flown it now yes yeah I think you found it quite rock solid right. Oh yeah, I mean it was. Uh, I hadn't flown my racer in a while, so the extra it was, you know, for it took off as good as it, the other one was, and I just I, and I had a thorough blast flying it. I just remember coming in for landing and going, "Oh, I haven't landed one of these in a while," and shut the power off. I'm like, "Oh, that's right, yeah, that's right. Let's do another circuit without the power because I can only <laughs> yeah. the speed." But wow. it, uh, I, um, I was so happy to get out and fly when I did. It was still cold, but at least the skies were clear. Because since then, uh, I was my batteries were all charged up for this weekend, and I'm like, I'm gonna go FPV with this thing. And no, it's been snowing and windy and oh, cold right, and miserable. Right, right. So I'm like, oh, so it's uh, it's unfortunate because I really was hoping to get it going. But uh, and and the video, I mean, you you saw some of the outtakes. I'm trying to bring this yep. thing over the yep. ice. Skip, 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 skip. So, uh, but. <laughs> But beautiful plane, and the fact that you said that the wing is interchangeable is great because that was my, you know, my my, uh, my racer got unfortunately the wing got warped and it took I fixed it and I got it flying yep. again. But it was like, oh, if I could just replace the wing on this thing. But um, and I like some of the the, the little other changes, like the uh, the metal spinner, which is fantastic because I, I think I must have shredded about two or three of the plastic ones quite easily. Yeah, you, know, you just bump something, you know, on a, on a rough landing or. Or something, and uh, obviously that power plant has all been refreshed and updated. You know, new technology, but um, you know, uh, the bigger props are probably will survive the you know the 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 landings a lot nicer mm. as well. I suspect, but overall, it, it I mean it took me minutes to put this thing together. Um, like you had mentioned, the the new Durafly planes do not come with instructions, and I'm sitting here. Okay, it's like you know, snap the elevator into place, <laughs> and then yeah. put two screws into the wing, and uh, oh yeah, dump in your receiver back there, and <laughs> yeah. you're done. You're finished. And, that sounds uh, like like my kind of build there. 
Oh, it's, it, it took no time at all. And, awesome. And what I really loved about this airplane was I took off. I did my first flight because uh, I wanted to dial in the elevator. And as soon as that was set, I landed it and then threw the camera on the airplane and went flying again. Because I'm like, okay, it's stable. It's fine. Let's get some aerial footage right away. And uh, it was so cold that the camera, I never got a landing out of it on, on camera because the camera would turn off from the cold. Shut off. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know? But it just, it flew. And what I really liked, I, I only flew 3S um, because I was getting familiar with it. I, sh- I probably should have thrown a 4S right away. But I think I doubled. I I used my old settings from the EFX, uh, the X, uh, the racer, <laughs> getting them interchanged. Um, but I think I doubled my flight time between the two airplanes uh, with the new yeah. power setup. Yeah, it's it's much more efficient. It's not as uh, noisy, which again speaks of it being more efficient. Um, but it's still got a nice whistle when it goes by, and yeah, um, yeah it just it just gives that much more. Uh, I actually find the vertical that much more impressive it doesn't oh, really? look like it's going as fast even though it is going faster mm-hmm. i mean i didn't want to push solely on going for speed speed mm-hmm. speed because right it can go faster sure yeah. but the stock setup now is maybe only 10 or 15 miles an hour faster than the previous one however what you've got now with that motor it's the same motor that people were using for 6s setup so if you want to go 140 150 miles an hour or wow. so you use the motor that's supplied in there, change it for a 5x5 or a 5x6.5 prop, and change your ESC for an 80 amp instead of the supplied 60, and you've got an EFX that will do success without any head scratching. Uh, whereas oh before, every, people were experimenting for weeks and months on end trying to find that 6S uh, combo, but now it's got it. Wow. I can't even think about that. Like, can't, you, I can't you wrap my. Things up. I, I know, but I can't alley. wrap my head around the 140 some mile an hour. I think that has your name written air. all over it. Oh my gosh! <laughs> we, wow. I, I, we we could have pushed that, and it could have been a speed machine, but we it came it became a balancing act. You know, a lot of people would appreciate more longer sure. flight times than they would. Yes, at sure. very high speeds. Absolutely. Only a few people, in all honesty, are comfortable with that kind of speed. Yes, exactly. Uh, I totally and agree. So we, we, we settled for the slightly faster, but generally better all around. Yes. Yeah. All right. Here, go ahead, Andre. I was just saying, it's just nice to get on Chuck. Hey, well, I'll, ask, I'll pop a question in there. So you've come up with three new colors, and I liked how you tagged them into some of your product lines. So the one I got to fly was the blue, blue bolt. But when did you decide to go with you know the red, green, blue, and and do away with like our our favorite yellow? Because yeah, you know we all know yellow is faster. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, wasn't it? Um, I, I've got. I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a real fluoro drive at the moment. I'm trying to put fluoro green on every model that I can. <laughs> had it on the, had it on the Excalibur. Had it on yeah. the uh, EF Extra. Now there's going to be another model coming out with fluoro on. I'm sure. Um, but if you're doing a new version of something um, to make it stand out in people's eye, uh, minds, mind's eye, and for them to physically see a difference between the old and the new uh, i think it's always wise to go with a new scheme um otherwise it might you know draw too many comparisons to the previous uh previous incarnation so that that was simply the reason we just wanted to uh, depart from that scheme so it would stand out in people's minds more 
So in, in that color, do you do you track uh, you know the sales and the same thing like the tundra? So all of a sudden you've got you know three or four different color schemes. Yeah, will it's going to be interesting. Will, really will you stream like? Are you going to support the three new colors throughout production, or are you going to say, okay, let's stream these guys down after a year or two and just go with the top two colors? Um, well, I guess that that would be the sensible thing to do if if you're only selling. <laughs> Two, two of the three, then obviously you'd phase out the the third one that isn't selling. Um, but that's why we've we've got a certain amount for each color of the color tundra and the EF extra, but they're equal amounts. And then mm-hmm. the ones that sell more will obviously order more of from the from from our factory. Um, and it, there's a bit of a science to it, I guess. And it's it's really exciting actually to see those numbers come in and seeing, and even geographically, what colors sell more in certain areas. I don't understand why that is, but um, we sold a lot more yellow EFXs in uh, Europe than we did in America, for example. Well, that's um, because it's always gray and dim over there. They had to have a really bright plane, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just so, kidding. And, and stock, and this is when we had equal stock of each in, in those regions. So, yeah, there's a lot of interesting data that comes up from that. Um, and also what it means is that we can, in theory... Uh, create a plane and give a plane to suit everyone's needs and desires. Very cool. All right. And so, of course, when you're racing along, it helps them stand out. Yes. Um, Stuart, my two biggest questions uh, a lot of people were asking me about the, um, the new EFX was one, the clipped wing, you know, why and how did it change the characteristics? And two, like, wh- why should I buy a new EFX extra? You know, what, if they maybe they got an older one, it's a little beat up. You know, they were kind of on the fence. But now you brought this out. Why should they buy this new one? Um. Okay. Uh, let's see. Why would you buy? Well, okay. I guess so you can think of it this way. If you if you got an EFX, then you're pretty much a fan of it. And if you want to continue having EFX fun, the, the only way to do that now is with an EFX. Right. Because, um, that's what's available. So there's the simple answer, I guess. Right. Uh, for that, and he pointed out the differences that improvements the on it. So. Um, and then the what was the the clipped wing? Okay, why clipped why the clipped yeah. wing? What did it do? How did it change the flying characteristics? It um it increased roll rate, which I felt you know added to the fun factor of it. Um, which I think Andre it, said it already had an incredible roll rate as it was. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, we just wanted to wrap it up a bit. And, um, in Apple, I can't even claim that because I saw it at Joe Knoll about yeah. a year and a half ago. And this guy came up to me and says, oh, man, you know, love the EFX, but I did this. I just did it with a knife and a hot wire. I was like, that's really cool. Can I have a go? And I had a go. I was like, yeah, okay, I can see why this is adds to the fun factor. Mm. So we took that. And I, didn't, I don't remember the guy's name, but if I, if I could remember his name, he would get full credit for that modification. Right. That was all his idea. And you um, know what? I, I, I sorry to interrupt. I saw a side yeah? benefit to those little fins that are on as a result of doing the um, uh, the clip wing. Because I was coming in and you know just kind of dealing with the ice and looking for a nice spot to set it down. And I noticed my approach and my my maneuverability at low speed, you know, and landing was really nice. And the aircraft was really stable. Where I know with the uh, with the racer, there was a definite fall off point where the wing would dip. But as a result yep. of that, and it, it's, it felt a lot stabler, to be honest, with little yep. fins at slow speed. 
Yeah, I, I think I've found that in general throughout the, the speed that I, I, it felt, and I said this to you before, Andre, it feels on any power setting just that much more locked in than the, the yeah. effects. Um, again, I'm not a technical guy, so uh, I can't 100% explain that, but certainly those changes seem to have had an effect on that. Uh, but one of the cool things about the effects for most people was the glide rate, and people were concerned <laughs> that by clipping the wing, yeah, the glide right. rate be reduced but Andre, you found for yourself it's not the case right no 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 and it was like i remember having to set and it, it's it's stunning right because you know on most airplanes okay i'm gonna go around i'll do my quarter turn my final and i'll come in and i'll sit down and you're buzzing by yourself going i'm at like double my approach speed here yeah. <laughs> so let's just do it again i'm not even gonna touch the motor maybe i'll do a quarter <clears> turn <throat> Um, and what I really liked about this, I know with my, I, I've caught myself a few times where you, you're like, Ooh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta firewall this thing right away. And you know, on the racer, it would, you're going to roll because it, and, would talk, yeah. it would talk like crazy. And I've had some really amazing recoveries and skim through things. I didn't think I was going to be able to make it through. Um, but with, with these vertical fins on, on the clip wing setup, it definitely, uh, showed better. me a benefit a few times. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I guess I think it worked good all around. So I guess, Stuart, what I was trying to say earlier, you know, when people were asking me, like they were kind of on the fence or whatever, if they have an older one. So I guess we're looking at maybe a little bit better flying characteristics. Um, you can put some bigger batteries in it. It's more efficient. Uh, we got new colors. Uh, I'm trying to think what else it's off the top so of my head. Faster, it, it, it has it, more climb it, it comes rate. To the, it comes to the name. Um, simply, it's the EFX with extra. Extra, so yeah. Get a little bit more speed. You get extra strength. We've added the new uh, full span spar across the center, so the wings a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've streamlined the aderons with the aderon covers. Uh, it's got the increased roll rate. It's got the higher efficiency. It's got the option of going up to six S very easily. Yep. Uh, it's got the new schemes and it's got the new uh, FPV pod. Uh, there you go. Included with all of those. Yes. So yeah, just all all around. A lot of more benefits. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It's funny because we, we we chuckled at one point because we saw some video of someone doing FPV with the with the older airplane and we're we're both sitting here going wouldn't you get out of range real fast but I, I you know but I, I'm I can't wait I can't wait to get out there I've been kicking myself waiting for some decent weather to get out because I want to try this thing and I want to see what it's going to be like and uh, you know I think initially the what what my concern was great i've got three minutes of flight time but now that i've got at least five or six and you know when you're flying fpv you're not doing mock two you're actually slowing it down a bit to just enjoy the flight so it's gonna be really fun just to be able to get up and you know got to stay within your your bubble and your park but Mm -hmm. you know you're uh, it's (laughs) It's great for cruising actually it surprised me that it was so good for cruising around just you know cut the throttle down to maybe half throttle and just cruise and enjoy it and it still stays responsive um, the only thing I've found is that you kind of get tunnel vision because it's a fixed camera. And especially if you're trying to race with or fly with other people. Oh, like yeah. You're trying to do the promo. And you can't look over your shoulder. Um, so it's, it's actually really difficult to intentionally try and fly with someone. Mm-hmm. However, if you were in a race scenario, you wouldn't really you know, right. be concentrating on everyone else. You'd just be looking yeah. forward. Um, so maybe there, maybe we can work on a, like just a small system that would just allow you to pan. Um, as opposed to tilt up and down, maybe yeah. that that one area I'd like to see improved on that canopy. But we'll see what happens. So it sounds like might be some clubs starting up that will be the EF Extra yeah. FPV Pylon Racing, right? 
That'd be nice. That'd be really nice. <laughs> I, th- I think a, a lot more of the uh, FPV like race associations are opening up to classes outside of just the standard wing configuration, mm. um, which is nice to see as well because that just brings even more people into it. Uh, and also, I, you know, wings are good. They're, they're very good for what they are, but I, I like having your control um, when I'm flying, especially if I'm flying fast. It just enables you to fly that more precisely. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, next up I want to talk about is the BF-109. Now, yeah. Mike, this is a Warbird, like, I it's one of my favorite. It's very, I don't know what it is. I love the BF-109. Now, the problem I've run into over the years is, one, there's not a whole lot of people that made a BF-109. If they did, it was, wasn't very good. And... My first one that I really kind of fell in love with and I liked it and it flew pretty good was uh, E-Flight brought out one and I bought it right away, flew it, actually upgraded it like I usually did with most of the E-Flight planes, put a bigger motor in it. But still, once they brought out some other Warbirds, it, it looked great in the air, but it just didn't fly like real well. And Stuart, I was wondering if that's something... Uh, that you ran into when you were, you know, getting into your prototypes with the BF-109 with its basic design running in the problems to get it to fly halfway decent? Um, not not really, because we had a good starting point uh, in, the, in the Spitfire of the same size. Mm-hmm. Uh, I work very closely with a guy called Tom Hunt, who's a, an aircraft uh, engineer for Grumman mm-hmm. out in Long Island. And both the Spitfire and this BF-109 were actually principally aerodynamically laid out on his own 3D drawings. Um, so we took the aerodynamic layout from his drawings and then applied the the, the Durafly foam uh, model to that logic. So that worked well on the Spitfire. So we, know, we knew we had a good starting point in terms of uh, the type of washout, we, the amount of washout we'd need, the mm-hmm. type of wing load we'd be aiming for, and also the power system. We knew exactly what power system we wanted because it worked so well for the Spitfire. The BF-109 has the same setup as the Spitfire. Oh, gotcha. Um, and like this uh, Spitfire, the Messerschmitt has that same narrow track undercarriage, but um, one of the things that people really like about the Spitfire is its ground handling, which is surprising for a model like that. And the, the BF-109... Uh, to a you know to a certain degree is as good as the Spitfire on the ground as well, which I think was always one of the big uh, yes. issues with those types of warbirds. It's it's not wide track like a Hurricane or a P forty seven, right? And um, and watching your that put a lot of people doing it, put put a lot of people off doing it. Um, yeah, that was my question. You don't see a yeah you don't see a lot of them out there, and it, they are you know. If, hard to take off and land you know even the e-flight one it, you know to take it off was tough it would want to ground loop a lot but i was shocked watching your videos especially in that rough field you were taking off and landing in i thought for sure on a couple of those landings you were going to come in and nose over and that thing didn't so i was really shocked how well the gra- ground handling was on that bf 109 yeah it will it will obviously nose over and you know to be fair i i obviously didn't grease all of the landing sure um but um those that it did tip over it was fine there was no damage and you know those that didn't you saw the landing it it pulled it off there is a technique you do need to keep power on when you land Mm -hmm. um just to keep air flowing over the towel and you know to enable it to stick down because the point that you touch down and you've lost enough speed to not make it pitch up into the air 
I'm pretty much holding full up elevator just right. to keep the towel right. glued down. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a little trickier than the Spitfire in takeoff and landing, but it's still better than any other previous BF that's been on the market. Yeah. Sure. Now, why why the BF 109? What what sparked your interest with that? Um, well, the obvious one would be a stable mate for the Spitfire. With the Spitfire, um, yep. But not only that, we wanted to do something that hadn't been done. And you mentioned the other ones that have been on the market. They, they're all different uh, later versions of the Messerschmitt, uh, mm-hmm. the BF-109. Right. I don't think there's been on the market, certainly at this level, a BF-109E since maybe the Flying Styrofoam one of years ago, the Hobby Lobby used to bring in, mm-hmm. or the GWS one, which was just EPS. And yes. It didn't look particularly great. It was a nice hand launch model, but... Nothing at these new modern standards. So we wanted to be the first to bring something like this to market in today's uh, level of, of modeling. Right. Now, can you talk about, you know, I've seen you flying, a, you know, obviously there are, there are early pre-production models, but one of them i seen, you know, was one color. And here recently I watched uh, one of your latest videos in a different color. Are, are have you guys, is it going to be one color? Have you decided or is it possible we may get a couple different schemes? For, for the mission, Smith? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure if I mentioned that or, or not already, but uh, yeah, it's it's following the same formula as the small Spitfire. Um, there'll be a Battle of Britain scheme and a Desert scheme to go with the Battle of Britain and Desert scheme of the um, of the Mark V and Mark One Spitfire that we had out. There'll be several different decal options provided in the box. That's, I, I mean, I say with some certainty that Durafly were the first mass production foamy people to offer a base color scheme and then decals that you apply yourself yeah i I believe we were the first and we're just continuing that tradition and what i really like is that other suppliers are now doing the same thing right that really adds to the options for and the choices for the customers and you know it's by doing that it helps drive competition and and through competition you actually get better products right so it's really nice to see other manufacturers uh, taking up that challenge and, and running with it, right? It just all pushes us that much. Further. Yeah. The the other thing I really like what you guys are doing, and I and off the top of my head right now I can't think if anybody else is doing it, but you're giving the option to run it on three cell or four cell. So. That to me is huge. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And the, the interesting thing is, uh, a few years ago, before we started doing the three and four S options, I saw people flying on four S, and and I. I just thought, um, you're crazy. Why are you, why are you adding a forest? It doesn't need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I tried one for myself, and I, I could see the benefit of it. Um, you can fly around at half throttle and still get the performance you would at full throttle on yes. 3S. Yes. But that said, because you're flying uh, you know, off the off of full throttle most of the time, you actually get longer flight times. So I get a longer flight time on a 2200 forest than I would do a 3S. Right. And it just gives you that much more power. When you need, when it, you right? want it, yeah. Like especially if you're coming into land and maybe you you get over overshoot or maybe you land a bit short, you've got that much more power, that much quicker than you would have on the 3S. Yep, and that that can help in certain situations. Right, but then you still um, have your your scale guys that just want to cruise around and putz around and have 23 cell 2200s that were like, I don't want to go fast, and they can do that. Yeah, and and it will serve that. Um, and if you the clever thing is here, if you're running a 60C 3-cell or a 40C 4-cell mm-hmm. or 30 to 40C 4-cell, 
they're about the approximate weight in in uh, in the pack between the three and the four. So the actual ang- uh, w- wing loading isn't affected that much because I always oh. thought, okay, well, why fit another cell? It's just going to get heavier and it'd be a pig to fly. But if you approach it with that logic, then the, the all-up weight stays about the same. Ah, oh, that's a good point. And think about that. So when do you have a rough idea when the uh, 109's coming out? Um, it's mass production had started just before Chinese New Year. Mm-hmm. And of course, that puts a halt on everything. So it will start off again in the next couple of weeks. So I'd say about April sometime, uh, end of April. Nice. I'm aiming for for that. Yeah. Awesome. Just in time for the summer season. Right. Exactly. Awesome. All right. Next thing I want to talk about, and you, we, before we uh, got off the video on Skype, I got a little picture of it and looked at it, and I already forget the name, but the the big bush plane. What was the name of that again? The, the bush mule. Bush mule. Yes. <laughs> uh, All right. I still think it should be an RCF orange man. Uh, the, well, there's going to be two different schemes. Um, I can't remember what the other one is. Uh, no, it's going to be, uh, there's a, a yellow version and a blue version. Oh, okay. Oh, oh yeah. it's going to be sweet. Yeah. So fill uh, it. So go ahead. Fill us in on this beast. Cause I, I'm intrigued on this one. It is a bit of a beast. Actually, I'm looking yeah. at it now on floats and we made some floats for this one and they're, they're, they're big floats. <laughs> <laughs> um, Actually, if, let me let me just sacrifice a little bit of bandwidth, and I'll just give you guys. Can okay. You see that there. Oh, there it is. I know you guys out in the uh, real world can't see it, but we're actually looking at Mike. If you want to come over here and look at this real quick, oh man, that thing is cool. I don't know if you wanted to do some screen grabs or, or something there, cool. but uh, it's it. the yeah. There we go. It's the um. But you remember the Sky Mule, right? Oh yes. This is the. Again, in the same vein, the um, the EFX and EFXtra. This oh, is everything nice. I wanted to do, or everything we found needed to be done on those original models, updated. And um, ah. the story with the Sky Mule, I actually came to the to Durafly after the Sky Mule mold had been opened. So I was only able to do so much on it. And I'll turn my camera off now. Um, and it was a nice big it's model nice. and it personally i really wanted to put flaps in it but we didn't have the option to do it then mm-hmm. so we've added flaps we've moved the servos to the towel for a more direct link and control um link to the towel surfaces floats are an option now uh, they're not included but they're an option we've dramatically improved the motor mounting system um we've done away with the old bell type motors in <laughs> favor for a more traditional uh rotating outrunner uh, can motor it has an x mount now like a proper x mount for for mounting um it's got led nav lights uh, and the gear is far more substantial uh, again going along with the 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 tundra style of undercarriage we've got a nice big bush style undercarriage on the on the bush mule hence the name wow that is sweet um, is it is it a little more powerful than the original Sky Mule then with the different yeah, motors? Yeah, uh, uh, and with those motors it is. It's the same props because we've got a lot of those props, so we're utilizing those. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's 3 and 4S again on this one. Oh, um, nice. And with the 4S, it really, really sings. It's nice on the 3S, but the 4S is, is very, very good. Oh. Um, 
And those flaps go to 90 degree, they're full like barn door type. That's flaps. what I was going to ask next. Yeah, yeah, full barn door flaps. Nice. Oh, yeah. my. Okay, I already know. I can get my Sky Mule just, just at a crawl's pace. I mean, it's just ridiculous looking. So I'm going to, oh, man, you're going to be able to go even slower. That yeah. Because that plane coming in, um, it's just it, you know in a really windy situation and you you know you're just you're coming in and you're just kind of you're just dialing in a little bit of rudder you know and it just kind of crabs a little sideways it looks like something that's coming to land on like an aircraft carrier you know like it's a it's a it's a personal transport you know aircraft yeah. coming into and the touchdown on an aircraft and it looks so beautiful I well, love that thing. thing yeah. It's it, it, and now it's got an even nicer look. The undercarriage itself, we've moved. You know the the Havilland Twin Otter. It, it mm-hmm. emulates emulates that. The undercarriage has moved onto the fuselage, and it's got the fairings out on the main gear, and it's got basically tundra style wheels on both the main and the nose gear, um, and we've really beefed up the mounting plates for the for the uh, for the undercarriage. So it's a really rough and ready kind of model it, it will take all the abuse and the interesting thing with the, the the location of the undercarriage is that without too much effort you can very quickly get it to go up on its uh, towel and you can just drag your towel along and with the you can taxi with the nose up in the air if you see what i mean <laughs> and just taxiing up on the mains um it's quite a neat trick um and you can also do uh, three point landings like that where you land on the mains and the towel and then touch down the nose um, it's it's a lot of fun, but more than that, actually, it's um, when you when you finish landing, you can then hit the reverse function on the ESCs, and you can reverse it, uh, and that automatically makes the towel go down, and it's a lot of fun reversing it. Uh, but the reverse function is primarily for use on the on the floats. Floor. Yeah, um, and of course, being it's a twin, you can set up di- differential thrust yeah. uh, when you're on water, which is amazing for for uh, water handling. And then with the reverse thrust, if you get into you know, stuck on the other side of the bank, just uh, flick it into reverse and you can reverse out of any trouble. Sounds awesome. Yeah. Wow. That's sweet. Oh, man. I can't <laughs> wait for that. Now, what's again, What's what do you think time-wise for uh, that plane? Same time, maybe? That's a little maybe, later. A little later? Probably around May, May June, June. Um, on that one, depending on production schedules. We'll oh. see how it goes. Andre, maybe, maybe we can get one before you get down here for May, right? Huh? You think? Awesome. Oh, that would be great. Are you going to offer? Are you going to offer it in a kit version as well, Stuart? Um, we would have done, but we. I mean, we see people asking for it, but in reality, the the numbers the don't numbers. support yeah. the, the claims. Um, we, when we did put kits out there, they they didn't really you know, fly off the shelves. Hmm. So uh, we'll have uh, spare parts available, and you can you know buy those parts separately to make a kit if you wish. Uh, or you know, buy the you know, plug and fly and use the electronics as it is, and then maybe pull them out and put your own stuff in later. It it just it's not making it's not a viable option for us as a business to offer kits nowadays. I because my um, yeah mine was a kit and I had to customize it for the motor and everything, but I put that thing through so much heat and torture. <laughs> it's it's got some really fantastic battle scars but it's still i i put that thing up in the air and i just smiled to death that's one of your favorites i was always amazed by that because to me i don't know if i would have that appeal for it but the way you talk about it it sounds great great. it sounds great well yeah i have never flown at fpv i've never um i think i was 
Now that it's been battled, it's got a few scars in it, I probably will. But when I first got it, I was in, you know, like, I, I loved it so much. I put the lights into it and everything. Uh, and my wife was like, you can't change the colors or nothing because she thought it was really awesome in the red and everything. But now that it's, you know, seen it's a, a couple good flights and a couple good crashes, uh, maybe it is ready for FPV. <laughs> well, that's one, that's one of the things people might be interested to know. Those big decal sheets that we had on the original They've gone. Um, so I know a lot of people like to paint them up and customize them. So they'll be able to do that far easier uh, on this version as opposed to the old one. Hmm. Hmm. That's pretty cool. I, li- I like that airplane already. Oh, oh and it's got a cargo door. I forgot. It's got a cargo oh. door on the bottom now. Oh, yes. Whoa. No kidding. As in the, uh, in the back of uh, the hatch? Yeah, I like to see like C-130. Oh, oh my oh, gosh. Wow. Oh dear. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> Is it actuated? Uh yeah, there's a servo on there. Oh, oh wow. Oh, there you it's, go. Um, Perfect. Yeah, it's, it's made for having fun and experimenting with. I'm sure guys oh. will be up to all kinds of tricks with that one. Oh, that 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 plane's just scream search and rescue scheme on it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally. Totally scream search and rescue thing. Oh, oh, that's awesome. All right. I think the last one we got to talk about that you just uh, released some videos on. And again, this thing kind of blew me out of the water. I wasn't expecting all the great details on it. But the last thing you guys released here is this giant 1400 millimeter Spitfire. Now, I have to say, and you probably realize all this, Stuart, you've been in the business and in the game a while. I was a huge FMS fan years ago. And when they started bringing out their giant, you know, 1400 millimeter meter planes i was just buying them left and right trying all different ones now the two biggest problems that they had was one they always had the power system wasn't enough most all of them ran off of a four cell so you had to try to upgrade them with a bigger esc and a bigger motor and a bigger battery two the landing gear never ever ever held up unless you had this perfectly smooth paved runway and could make a perfect landing every time other than that you were always breaking the landing gear so when i seen you guys bring this out and for one you put a six cell power system in it so and looking at the flight video the thing was amazing not only fat you know flying fast but also slow and two the way you guys did the landing gear and put the oleo struts on there so just you know and we'll talk about the detail here in a minute because that Again, that's something way beyond my level. But So talk about the power system and, and what you did with the landing gear to make a plane this size and, in foam actually hold up a little bit. And the FPV that and, they're talking about. Right. That, that sounded really yeah, cool. Yeah, right. Um, well, yeah, you, you mean, we, we made the same observations with the, the FMS stuff that was out there. Um, I think I, I, even their P40C, which was one of their last uh, or latest, sorry, um, 1400 size models um it was still only on forest and that that did surprise me mm-hmm. um and like a lot of other people uh, you know i you know I, I understood the desire for success but by running success is actually a more efficient setup as well and it enables you to spin a, a bigger prop on a on a lower kv motor mm-hmm. um but also i think in all honesty what fms would have been faced with three or four years ago when they first started doing those with the higher cost price of or unit prices of the 6s setups as opposed to 4s mm-hmm. um now 6s or lipos in general they're just a lot cheaper right um the the 3200 we'd recommend for this one is i think uh, like 40 or 50 dollars 
Uh, and it, I'm sure it would have been close to double that three or four years ago. Sorry about that. <laughs> so that that made that decision easy, and we saw the benefit in the performance as well. I mean, I think in the video you, you would have seen some flying footage, right? Of the um, oh yeah, of the original unpainted one, right? And in next week's weekly update, we're going to have some flying footage of the painted one I've got in front of me here, the one from the announcement video, uh, and it just worked good all round. We got good flight times. I'm getting six or seven minutes on that pack. Um, the motor's coming down cool. It's a nice, efficient motor. It's actually an SK3 motor um, that we're using in this, so it's a good quality motor. Um, and with the Spitfire, you needed, with most Spitfires, you need a little bit of additional nose weight. So it's a relatively big can on this. It's a uh, 55, no, it's a 50, 55 size uh, motor on this, one of the SK3s. Wow. So it's. I think they were only running 42s or 44s on the on the FMS ones. So it's it's quite a bit bigger, which means it's got um, you know a, a good uh, torque and performance uh, for that uh, size can, and you, we can use that to in turn swing a bigger prop and um, lower the uh, the amp draw and generally improve the efficiency all around. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that on the on the 6S side of things, and then the the, the other point was sorry. Um, the, 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 the oleo struts, putting some real oh, yeah. landing gear under them, you know, where you're not hitting and bending them or they're ripping out yeah. of the fuselage yeah. and, oh, what a disaster that used to be. Yeah. But that was, um, that was, again, came down to a desire. You know, we, it seemed like the obvious thing to do. Not only do they look cool, but they actually work like in real world, in real world terms really, really well. Again, you would have seen on the, the video of the prototype landing there, um, if I'd had a glass of water on the dash of that Spitfire, I'm sure I would have spilled a drop. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, yeah. It was a good landing, but the, the oleos helped a lot. I couldn't uh, believe how just, slow you managed yes. to come in. That was my biggest thing, how slow that thing did, you know, came in like that. That was crazy. We've, we've tried to utilize as much glass fiber and composite materials within the structure of the foam to make it both strong and lightweight as possible. Mm-hmm. And actually, this, this comes out a good like uh, 100 grams or more lighter than the, the nearest equivalent. Uh, I think it's in at about five and a half pounds, five, five and a half pounds um, in, uh, in um, Imperial money, uh, which for a model of this size, with a 6S pack, that's the all-up weight ready to fly, uh, is really quite good. So it gives it a nice light wing loading as well. Uh, and that's why you're able to really slow it down. And we've got the good amount of washout in there. Again, thanks to Tom Hunt and his knowledge there, we were really able to get a sweet, sweet flying model. And this is the only warbird of this size where I'm holding in up elevator all the way down. Like I'm, I'm basically riding the elevator all the way down, and it doesn't stall. It just settles in nicely. Oh, and then wow. when it does hit, the oleos take care of the rest of it. Yeah. Wow. So it, it works, out, works out really, really well. And the flaps as well obviously help really slow it down. Um, but yeah, the Yolias were a no-brainer. Simply put, it, was, it seemed like the obvious thing to do, uh, and they work well. And also the wings reinforce sufficiently to take that load. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in fact, if I can turn my camera on again, sure. you'll, see, you'll see the tragedy that is my broken propeller. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, some damage that I incurred here because I was flying along and having so much fun and being on, on time pressure to get the video shot, I ignored my load, load, um, 
my counter on my radio, my low voltage. Oh, on, no. And I, I hit LVC, and I thought I could milk it, and, and I couldn't. And my battery died completely at about five foot from the ground. And I should have belly landed it in. And I thought, no, it's all right. I'll, I'll get onto the last you know, few uh, feet, and then I'll blip the throttle a bit more. Uh-huh. And I'll get that last little in the pack. But the pack didn't have any more to do. Oh. That was it. So it just dropped in, obviously, when there was no power. And it, it did a cartwheel and had gear down. And I expected the gear to be ripped out of the wing and all kinds of you know disastrous, mm-hmm. disastrous scenarios. In fact, I'd actually just built, uh, bent the, the pin uh, that goes into the, the metal 5mm uh, metal pin that connects the oleo uh, into, the, into the actual retract trunnion. I'd bent that. Uh, the retracts themselves weren't damaged, nor were the oleo. I wow. damaged a bit of the air scoop, and I broke a propeller. Other than that, it was just a few scratches here and there. Wow. So, uh, hardy too, which is great. Yeah. So, for, from a design, you know, lesson or design standpoint, will you be able to take some of this new knowledge or, or this process and roll it into your Durafly models? Because obviously this is for the Avios line because it's a bigger design, uh, bigger um, wingspan, sorry. In terms of like the extra composites and stuff like that, you mean? Yes. Um, yes and no. Uh, basically, with Avios being the bigger models, it gives us that much more headroom to work with those materials because there's just physically more room to install them in. Gotcha. Um, if, I, if I put a lot of the composites from the Spitfire in the BF at the smaller size, it would just add too much to the weight. Uh, so you, probably no in many respects. We've done as much as we can currently with the smaller models, but going up to the bigger size really allows us to explore those those new ways of thinking, uh, and it will keep getting better and better. But um, essentially, yeah, you've got more room to play with, um, which is why one of the reasons that I think bigger flies better because you can just do that much more. Yeah. And then you come on to the scale detail. The scale detail that we got on this Avios model, you just wouldn't be able to do on the Durafly size stuff and still have a, a well-behaved and well fly, uh, you know, good flying model. Right. Um, true, true, true. The bigger size gives us that opportunity. Right. Now, I want to talk about the scale and, and let you go into detail a little bit, but my one question was, and I'm all about scale. I love the scale details and, and especially the things you're doing. I mean, for me personally, though, like once I'm out flying around, the, you know, the little scale detail, like this, we'll talk about here in a second about the even the inside the cockpit and everything. But my question is, are you getting a lot of demand? Are more people demanding that kind of scale quality in an RC plane, like what you're putting in this? Or are you just kind of like, I, I know you're real passionate about it, Stuart, and the, you know, down to the, mm-hmm. the little last rivet and everything. Or is that just something more that you want to try and put it out there and see what happens if people are going to really be into it? Because obviously there's that point where price versus you know, scale details where you got to kind of balance yeah. the two a little bit. Yeah, I bit. saw the yoke moving too. Yeah, so I mean, the, features you yeah, typically the little details, I was, it, it really blew me away with what you did with the cockpit and things that were moving inside and the little flap hinge coming up through yeah, the wing that let you, yeah, and the, the wow, that was crazy. Yep. So what, what brought you on to do Bring that much detail? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you're actually absolutely right, and every one of those uh, comments you know, talks of a of a process that I went through, uh, and we went through here when we were thinking of commissioning it. Um, 
in re- actually what's happening we're seeing well i think we're seeing a shift away from the real scale uh finesse uh, for slightly simpler slightly cheaper mm-hmm. models um because there's that sentiment that okay well when they're up in the air you don't really see that detail right um but i i still believe that there's there's bars to be set in terms of scale detail and and um and i wanted to have a canvas that would let me do that uh, yeah, and and it is an experiment to be fair where we're going to see how it goes with this because like you've pointed out and as most people will guess all these extra details don't come for free. Right. There's uh, a recently announced uh, Flightline model, for example. I don't mind talking about the competition. Sure. Like I said, competition is what makes us great. Absolutely. Um, it's a stunning-looking model, and uh, it's that much bigger. Um, but I think even uh, Motion RC and Freewing would admit that it doesn't have the detail, say, of the, the Avios one. That said, perhaps because of that, that's why it's at a very good price point. Mm-hmm. Um, so it becomes... A personal preference at that at that point uh, and comparing those two models because let's be honest people are going to compare those two models let's just sure talk about the elephant in the room and, and go for it ourselves um what you've got there is a bigger model which bigger does fly better mm-hmm. but you need but with less detail um it's not to detract from the quality of the model it looks superb and like i said i'm really pleased that other manufacturers are up in their game um but in a financial situation it may be cheaper as a base model, but then you then need a more expensive, bigger battery to fly it with. You know, a 5,000 milliamp hour pack, in some cases, can cost almost double of the 3,000 that's required on the Avios Spitfire. Mm-hmm. Also, charging those packs becomes a bit more of a, of a chore, especially at the field, when you've got to fit you know, a lot more capacity back into the pack to charge it. So you can, fit, in theory, charge a smaller pack in half the time. Um, so when it comes to that, and when you compare them from a price point, you take into consideration the other uh, elements of it, you actually get an end cost price, a uh, cost point, which is pretty much comparable. So then it doesn't become about price. It becomes about what you want as a pilot and as a customer. Um, do you want that scale detail up close and personal? If you do, then this is the model for you. If you want just a great-looking flying model, uh, from a line of sight perspective, then you know look elsewhere. That's what I'm really pleased about. There's, if you're a Spitfire fan especially, there's an option for every every size, which is great. Mm-hmm. Well, I think um, the, the FPV element's really key to bringing in that detail as well. I mean, that's huge. Well, this exactly. This is this is the problem. It's a different game changer um, there. <laughs> in all yeah. honesty, with how detail. can I how can I get people to appreciate that level of detail that would otherwise be lost on them as soon as the model is 10 feet away sure right Um, and then fpv came along and i really wanted to bring those two together and especially i'm going to rig this one up with the connex hd system oh wow really wow um there is there is enough space in the model for it you have to obviously do a bit of um uh of uh electrical plumbing as it were to get that particular (laughs) system in the, the, the Fat Shark pan and tilt will pretty much be drop-in, and there is room in the fuselage for both the um, onboard electronics for that as well. Um, however, the, the HD one would be a bit of a, a plumbing job, but you know who knows? Maybe the benefits are really there, because then you'd really be how to see... Gosh, FPV down. and a Warbird, that, that would be awesome, I think. Yeah, that's the thing. I wanted to bring people in. I wanted people to not have that, uh, that scale element lost on them. Even if they're just flying around line of sight and they put 
pan and tilt for their buddies to go along for a ride. Sure, sure. Yeah. That would be yeah. sweet. But that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is full-scale FPV. Because why do we fly radio control models? Because we can't fly it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Right>. Exactly. <laughs> Wow. So if if I can bring people into that new realm of appreciation and and have it work, um, then that would be amazing. It's still an experiment. I sure. fully admit that. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, if, if this was kind of a a test bed for future bigger, more scale. I think type. it's a great direction. Yeah, in your experiment. Yeah, yeah. That's that's uh, in all honesty, that's absolutely what it was. That's not that's not to say that we're going to put a model out there that needs lots of tweaking and whatnot. It's going to be a finished product. It's an experiment to see as to how the market takes it. Right. Um, but we wanted to do as good a job as we can, and I think we've um, people have said it, and I hope I, I I'd like to agree with them. The bar's been set now, so mm -hmm. let, let's see where that goes. But just cool things like looking out. Imagine flying along, and you look out this side of your wing, and you see that your flaps are down because, like the full-size pilots from the Second World War. How do you tell if your flaps are down? Well, you look out <laughs> right. the cockpit and you see the flap indicators are showing you that they're down. Yeah. How do you know that the gear's down? Well, you get a light in your cockpit telling you that the gear's down. I'm hoping to implement a system like that oh, wow. as well. Wow. Um, how do you know your gun sight's on? Because there's a little ring that comes up in the in the gun sight. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see that with this as well. Wow. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. Wow, that's crazy. There's only crazy. so much we can do for sure, sure but sure. I want to push it as far as I can. Wow. That is sweet. Well, that's awesome. Um, Stuart, I do just have a couple like general questions from you, actually from sure. some emails, but was there anything else that we didn't cover, something you wanted to touch on before we get into those and we uh, let you <laughs> go back to work? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is work. Don't worry, but it's fun work. Oh, yeah, this um, is great. There's... There's nothing that I can tell you about. Okay. Um, right now. <laughs> it's all at least, at least, <laughs> at least on the air, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, there's the there's the Navy uh, Cub that you may have seen. We've teased yes. it, but we haven't officially announced it. Mm -hmm. 1400 millimeter J3 Navy Cub. That too has the pan and tilt system available for it, and we've we've modified that existing model to accept uh, a pan and tilt system. And I got to tell you, pan and tilt in a Cub. With all that uh, cabin is a lot of fun. Oh, I it's bet. It's the closest thing to flying a full size, even more so than the Spitfire. It's incredible. Wow. Um, and then we've got a V2 of the t of the Trojan. You saw that. Mm -hmm. um, a yellow. yellow? Yep, more scale detail. Um, that's pretty much a no-brainer. Um, and we'll be announcing that officially soon. With FPP yeah. as well. With a pan and tilt option. Yeah, that's... I've got to think for Pan and Tilt, as you can see. And I'm hoping that the, the wider community does as well, and we'll see where that takes us. Yeah, and I think that's great, too, because this is just a theory, and I could be way off on this, but we have so a lot of these newer people coming in flying uh, FPV quads that are just went in, and that's why they started. Now maybe they can transfer over a little bit and get into the planes mm -hmm. and still have fun and fly planes and do their FPV. You know, it could be a yeah, great they crossover. They already had their investment in FPV. Now right. The plane yeah, exactly. Enjoy that. Yeah, that right. That's, that's a very good point. Um, and the interesting thing is, I don't know if you guys have found this yourself, but um, people that have only learned to fly with quads and FPV actually can't fly line of sight. Uh, our cameraman here, he learned to fly with quads and only under the hood in the goggles. And I wow. built a bonsai for him. And it was incredible. He flew 
line of sight terribly didn't do it at all. <laughs> but as soon as he put the goggles on, he flew perfectly. That's crazy. Um, and that's a really interesting you know, perspective of it. So if we can get people into planes via FPV, then so much the better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree, 100%. All right, Stuart, before we let you go, I just have a couple questions for you. Um, first, we have a good friend of ours, Adam Drain, who used to help out with the um, – oh, I'm drawing a blank – with the uh, – beat. go ahead, uh, uh, Andre. The B-17? Yeah, the Liberty Foundation. And I don't know if you've seen it, Stuart, but all of us here, most of us here at Flight uh, Test got to actually, he took us for a ride in a B-17. We flew around for an hour and a half or whatever. I, I saw, yeah. I saw. I was very jealous. And very that was jealous. that was probably the one of the best experiences in my entire life. But anyway, he wanted me to ask you if you've ever been um, to the 8th Air Force Base there in, and I'm going to book this is it far farlingham does that sound right i guess apparently it's fairly close to where you were originally used to live and he was just curious if you've ever been there and his family i guess dumped a lot of money into that because they have a i believe it's a museum there and he was just wondering if you've ever been there um yeah my i've got a story about that um my parents live in the southeast of England, mm-hmm. and um, so that's uh, Norfolk and Suffolk. And those two counties alone, they used to say that you could crash land anywhere in those counties and you'd crash land on an airfield because it was littered with RAF, but predominantly with um, USAF, 8th Army Air Force fighter and bomber bases. Mm-hmm. And when I first got a car when I was at college, um, that, that first summer I had a car... I just spent all my time driving around all the old air bases, um, oh, taking wow. pictures of them, mm-hmm. walking along what was left of the parameter tracks, and in some cases even runways, l- trying to find like old control towers. Uh, I had a lot of fun going around those old bases. Uh, I I don't know that base you're trying to describe um, specifically. Uh, there are there are a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look it up now, but. Um, I may have visited it, but um, there were so many there, I can't remember all of them. Right. Uh, North but of it's a very haunting experience to visit those old airfields. You can, especially if the runway still remains or part of it, you can just stand there and really imagine those bombers coming in and out and like the P-38s, the P-51s, the P-47s. Mm-hmm. Um, and because there's such physical reminders still in many cases with a few of those bases, yeah. In terms of the blast pens and the control towers, um, it's it's really quite haunting to see uh, a lot of that. And it's for someone like myself, it's it's a really cool thing to be able to experience it. And I know a lot of Americans still come over and visit those bases. There's obviously a lot of family and historical connections there. And in fact, in in Norwich, um, Norwich is the capital of Norfolk. Um, they Norwich library has an amazing uh, 8th Army Air Force uh, museum and they've got all these little um, like 124th scale uh, models of the old B-24s and old B-17s that were used for the formation ships. These were these brightly colored like polka dot colored ships that they would they would fly just to get everybody to form 8 on before they sent them off across the channel to the continent and I don't know who's actually created it but They've got a model of every single scheme 
used on these formation ships, which is really interesting. To wow. See. But not only that, you've got a whole museum to the place, and it's, I, I thoroughly recommend anybody that's got an interest in this and the time and the means to do it, mm-hmm. spend a few weeks in East Anglia in, in England and take, you know, get Google Maps and a few books and just take yourself off around these these bases. Most of them now are turkey farms or or just abandoned or like full-size glider clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of them. In fact, our caravan challenge that we did a few years ago where we landed, took off and landed from the back of a caravan, that was on an old Air Force base. Oh, okay. And we actually shot the C-47 promo from that same airstrip. Wow. I know uh, that there was a website I was on. This was a while back where it actually showed, they did overlays. They showed the actual Air Force or the Army, whatever uh, field, you know, flying field, what it was back in the day during World War II. And then they, uh, at the next, you know, beside it or the overlay, you could see what it looks like today. And it was crazy yeah. how from the air looking down, you could actually see the, you know, the run, where the runways were, where the base, because everything basically is still there just you know yeah it was it, it, it amazes me i go on google maps more often than i perhaps should and just to look at the area and mm-hmm. even from i don't know like ten thousand feet mm-hmm. you can you can spot airfields old airfields instantly yeah um, especially the american ones with the with the a-frame the typical a-frame and the blast pens and the parameter tracks mm-hmm. um and you zoom in and often there's there's nothing but crops there yeah still the the just under the surface, you can see the the outline. It's amazing. It's it really interests me. And okay, I'm probably going on a bit now. But no, that's really okay. Struck a, struck a chord with me. <laughs> no, that so, that that's. If he sends through the details, I'm going back to the UK uh, in April. You know, I can visit there. I'd love to. Yeah, um, it, uh, he knows you. To. You know how of a big uh, warbird buff you are, and and you like you just talked about traveling around, seeing things. So he was really curious if uh, if you've been there because his, his family is really involved with that there. Um, I'd, yeah. l- I'd love to know more. I'd really genuinely love to know more. Um, I, I only wish I had more time to go around some of the bases because a lot of them are disappearing. They're, especially with the new housing developments that the governments are pushing, they're, they're pushing them on old airfields because you know the land's pretty much already established to, to, to build housing developments on. Right. So I think more and more as the years go on, we're going to see less and less of these old airfields there. Right. Okay, last question, and I will try to make this quick for you. Um, actually, it was uh, from a fan of ours. He sent it in by email. It was for uh, all of us as a group, but I think it would pertain better to you, and, I, and I'm curious, actually, to know your answers to this. But what he wanted to know, if you were able to do whatever you wanted, you know, as far as making a model of any kind of airplane that you wanted, he wanted the top five, but we'll give you what would be your absolute – top three airplanes that you would make into an rc model if you had unlimited you know resources budget budget, whatever what would you do see i could i could could do that but then i'd be giving away what models would (laughs) 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 no um uh, in all honesty there's there's partial truth in that i i wanted a super scout spitfire i've Mm -hmm. got one nice it's it's not my own um you know, my own company, but I, mm-hmm. I am in a very privileged position in that, um, and, uh, well, privileged and also lucky position in that a lot of my own desires mm-hmm. are emulated and, and you know, uh, desires that a lot of the customers have too. But at the same time, I'm, I'm given pretty much free hand um, as long as the results are there at the end to, to push this stuff. 
that's why I mean this 1450mm Spitfire um, I, that was solely my desire it's selfish very very selfish I wanted a big nice Spitfire and, and I've got one now I've just got to sell it to everyone else <laughs> I think that's too hard of a sell yeah um, but other stuff that I'd like to see I'd like to see a bow fighter that's my favorite twin mm-hmm. um, and I can tell people that we are currently not working on a bow fighter <laughs> uh, as much as I would like to um, I'd like to see a bigger Tundra for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to see, I'd like to see some unusual stuff like, um, like a Avro Anson, which will never ever be modeled because it would make no financial sense for everybody to make anybody to make an Avro Anson. Um, but I'd love to see one of those. Um, and I don't know what else, some unusual German stuff, the, the, the HO229, love to see one of those. That's like the, the holy grail for me, uh, a, a, like completely towerless flying wing. That would be amazing. Hmm, interesting. Uh, and yeah, some other stuff, mostly scale stuff, obviously. Yeah. Well, that's and cool. What about you? I don't know. You know, I was thinking about it, but really most everything I always, you know, would want in an, uh, you know, something, whether it be a warbird or whatever, it's, it's, pretty close like you said uh like the carbon z cub when they brought it out that's still one of my absolute favorite i just wanted this big giant you know trainer type airplane with big flaps with this way oversized motor that i could do anything i want fly any weather i wanted and any terrain i wanted so that was you know a, um, a big plus i think honestly and i know we've had this conversation before Stuart. uh i'd like to see some more just Kind of nice looking scale, smaller, uh, like 1100 millimeter or, or maybe a little under some belly lander warbirds. Just something that I can throw in my car, um, you know, take it out, throw three, four packs of 2200, three cells in it, have some fun. Maybe if your buddy gets one too and crank around or something like that, you know, that you could just toss in your car. You don't have to worry about retracts and flaps and all that stuff. We've, we've talked about that a hundred times. I, I love the small little, you know, belly lander warbirds. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't know. Most everything I've always kind of wanted been done or is out there. So it's just interesting to see what's uh, what's down the road. Um, if you're asking personally what I'd like to see, I'd love – there's a, a company called Airworld, and they make a really nice uh, – I think it's like 2.4-meter Yak 11, uh, full composite, big radial engine. That, that's my personal <laughs> personal goal. As soon as I have that model, I can retire. I'm done. Um, but that's that's just pure personal preference on that one. I I figured uh, you'd be going after you know the big Carf uh, I don't know Moss Spitfire or something with the the Mookie you know eight radial engine. Yeah, the Mookie, yeah. yeah. This Yak would have that same Mookie radial engine in. Oh my um, gosh! Like uh, I think it's like 250 cc. Or yeah, it's two. Yeah. Yeah. And it sounds yes. Beautiful. Yes. But I, I've got to sell a whole load of 1400 <laughs> millimeter Spitfire before I can even think about getting one of those. Right. Right. I think that's the person. Well, that's pretty good. Well, I think that's about it, Andre. Did you have anything else, or I know I talk a lot, I, but is there anything no, you? I'm, you're good. No, I'm good. This was this was fun to talk to uh, to get to talk to Stuart in person again. And, yeah. Uh, I think, um, you know. 
all the com- uh, all the competitors are uh, and companies are giving us a lot to look forward to in uh, 2017. Yep. So I thought Absolutely. 27 I thought 2016 was interesting. Well, mm-hmm. 2017 is just going to be off the rails. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to come back to what they know in, in 2017. Yeah, I agree. Um, and you know, nothing against the multi-rotor stuff. I still love it and all that. But I just it seems like I yeah. want to see more back to the planes a little bit. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So well, this is the great thing because you know, as a as as company and individuals, where we've got that same feeling and sentiment because first and foremost, we're modelers just mm-hmm. like everybody else, all of our customers, um, well, the few of us here that do this kind of thing. Um, so we're having that same realization, and we're we're trying to work on it as quickly as we can uh, to you know to help you guys out with that. Oh. Awesome. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, Stuart, thank you. Um, just hang on the line. We're going to wrap up the podcast yep. and get out of here. But we really appreciate you yes. reaching out, coming on. I'd love to have you on. You're great to talk to and Absolutely. get you know the, the details and the in-depth and behind the scenes. I think people really, it's hard to believe people love the behind the scenes stuff behind making something or the technology or what they're working on. They just love it. So for you to, you know, take your time and yeah, because a lot of companies don't do this, Stuart, you know, they don't want to just talk about or what they're working on or what they're gravitating to, or they just, I don't know what it is. They don't want to do it. So we, again, I, I I treat all the customers just as like, they're like, like club flies or part flies, just like us. And what do guys do when they have a similar interest? They just want to talk shop all day. Exactly. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) I want to share this stuff with you because it's cool, and I know you guys would think it's cool. You Absolutely, know, there's, there's no great secret. I, th- I think obviously you need to be sensitive to a certain degree. Sure, sharing is caring. Right, right. So I think that's about it, Mike. We'll uh, we'll get out of here. It's right. uh, this is weird doing a podcast in the evening like yes. this, but it was fun. We had Thank a good you time. For doing that for me. Really N- appreciate that. No problem. Anytime. Anytime. We appreciate it. So, all right, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for all you guys hanging out for, we were actually podcasting before we got you on. So we've been going two and a half hours and we had got a bunch of uh, Periscope uh, live followers, you know, for the two and a half hours, which I don't know how they do that, but they did. So thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you in a couple weeks or talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.